the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, From Beyond, starring Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, and Ken Forey. Podcasters are such easy prey. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another ooh, slimy episode of Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is my pal, my brother from another mother, my Pretorius, <laughs> my Edward Pretorius, Zach the Snack Schaefer. Oh, you, I was going to say... All right, Corey, come and get me, eunuch. <laughs> good one, good one. <laughs> but but if I'm your Pretorius, then you're my pineal gland. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, I knew that, like, Improv 101, I'll throw it out at you and you'll run with it. You'll never say no, right? I'll Isn't always that say yes. You always I'll always gotta... say yes to you, Corey. <laughs> yes and. Yes, yes and, and ourselves right into oblivion. <laughs> Crystal right now is going... Yes, you will, Corey. <laughs> yes, you will, Zach. You will say yes to Corey every time. Every goddamn time. And we'll say yes to you too, Crystal. Uh, <laughs> what's up, guys and gals? We are talking about H.P. Lovecraft's From Beyond by Stuart Gordon, 1986. This is an episode that you all, the fans, voted on. Uh, <laughs> so, Zach... Had a real strong showing to start the year off with Scanners. And he's got some great movies waiting for me, uh, you know, to un- to open and everything. But I'm a dum-dum. And I didn't sort of label anyone, uh, any of those movies so I could sort of know what they were. So I was like, you know what? I want to do something like, like, like a seminal cult film. Like I said, Zach's got a couple in his stacks, but I don't know where they are. So we <laughs> pulled from the fact that I knew that he he and I we both own reanimated the Arrow reanimator Blu-ray and the From Beyond Shaw Factory Blu-ray and we always kind of kept these two movies as emergencies in case we ever you know I don't know I don't know what that means but we kept them as an emergency and I guess this is it we called upon you all to decide reanimator or From Beyond well I guess you 
broke the glass without and pulled the fire alarm without there even being a fire. So uh, <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> because yeah, you have uh, between the two of us, Corey's got about ten Blu-rays to open over the course of this year. Uh, and it, I will probably add more to that. And I have about nine uh, from Corey that are all wrapped in like Christmas wrapping that I will be <laughs> opening. So it, I'm totally fine when when you pitched the idea to me of, of doing a, a Stuart Gordon film and having our pod fans pick. Uh, I was totally down for it. And I'm glad that it worked out that from beyond it ended up being the movie. And, and it was a, it was across the board. It was 50, 50, uh, <laughs> with a tiebreaker. And you know what? It, it could have gone either way. I'm happy that it went this way. I love both movies. However, um, you know, personally, when Corey pitched pad to me to be on the show and be a part of the show, uh, I think even in like the first episode, I said, you know, when we talked about, Movies we weren't a wa- movies we weren't allowed to watch as kids. I think I might have said From Beyond was the one I'd wake up at like five in the morning, turn on Cinemax, and it was on. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so it's one of the 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 origin the origin story of our podcast started with From Beyond in, in some respects for me personally. No, it it really did. I mean, this and Reanimator are like two of the films that were in my head that I wanted, you know, us to tackle on this show. It's funny that it's, you know, we're in season three right now uh, and we're finally getting to them. But like I said, right. it's because Zach and I already had them and we were just kind of holding on to them uh, just in case. Uh, Zach, you know, you, you talked about before. Uh, I mean, both of us have talked multiple times about From Beyond uh, this is one of those movies that would, yeah, be on TV for you when you wake up in the morning and actually, like, catch the tail end of it and, and whatnot. And for me, this was a movie that I watched with uh, Luke, I think, around 11 or 12. We, Luke, I think it was Luke, Luke, we asked uh, my stepdad to recommend us a movie. We'd already seen Evil Dead. I'm, I don't know if we'd seen Reanimator. He was like, fuck you, kids. Go watch From Beyond. We watched From Beyond and... Uh, <laughs> Go listen to the top five horror movies that traumatized us watch list with David Irons that Zach and I did back in November, and you'll hear the full story about how this movie traumatized the hell out of me. But the long story short is Barbara Crampton's kneecap exploding at the end almost made me throw up in Luke's lap. So (laughs) that's where we're at. (laughs) Understandable. Understandable. I think it still holds up. And uh, thankful or not, the fact that Shout Factory put out this pristine HD transfer of this film. So everything is very visible, uh, including Ken Foray's giant wang. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. Ken Foray's Bubba is, is on full display here. And just to let you all know, just because we're not doing reanimator now, doesn't mean we're not going to do it. Uh, I even said it in the post, you know, even whichever one's the loser is, we're still going to do it eventually because reanimator is a great fucking movie. And like Zach, we, we both love it. We both love reanimator and we both love from beyond. Um, you, Zach, you said from, from beyond is probably your favorite of the two. I, it is. I, you know what? If you asked me before I broke this movie down, uh, I would have said probably reanimator was, but you know what? I think this is pretty fucking awesome. And this might've inched out reanimator maybe just by one vote you know <laughs> by one pineal gland by one pineal gland <laughs> yeah I, I i look i love Stuart gordon's work yeah i would say reanimator and from beyond are my two favorites of his 
uh, filmography overall top two um i'm a big fan of dolls by the way i love dolls as well i love dolls as well but reanimator for sure and and from beyond i personally like this movie more i like the story more um i i like the the idea of what is this world within our own world that we just can't see i love that um it's a little more mystical it's a little more fantastical um and that's why i personally like it so more uh but again a a a a pretorious chest hair more than uh than reanimator <laughs> and you know for all the reasons you just said including pretorius's chest hair i i do think i'm with you man i think this movie a lot of the concepts obviously flew over my head as a kid um i did watch it you know as i got older there was a gap when i didn't want to watch it but then i did watch it and so this is not like my first time watching it in a long time or anything um i do kind of watch it once every few years Me too. but <laughs> this is this is like this time i really sunk my teeth into it really paid attention to like what the story was what they were trying to do and man it i think it holds up really well the concepts they're talking about And I do think it wasn't just the kneecap exploding that freaked me out as a kid. It's the idea that all these, like, creatures are around us all the time and we can't see them or anything like that. And maybe somehow they're interacting with some of us and maybe influencing us and everything. But there's this, like, nightmare world, just one different, like, vibration away from us. And I think now, too, as science is moving along, I think this is actually becoming more and more like a, a possibility, meaning like there are other dimensions like stacked on ours and all that's separating us is some kind of vibrational wave. Yeah, I I would uh, concur with you on that. Uh, I think that if you were to continue this story, uh, the further adventures of or, or, or de-evolution of, uh, you easily could. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very tangible and uh, which is even more creepier than uh, just the realization now. So, <laughs> and you mentioned like taking the story forward. Um, I think there's a a, a movie um, called Resonator, uh, Miskatonic yes. University, um, and. I, I think I sort of discovered it when we were doing our Night of the Living Dead review because we, the guy who played a Tom William Butler, he I believe directed it or, or had some involvement with with that new version of it. I'm checking it out now. That's right. It's called came out in 2021. It's called The Resonator: Colon Miskatonic University. And yeah, it's actually directed and written by William Butler. So I would actually like to check that out. Is that the one with Michael Pere? It actually is. Yep, he, Michael Pere is in it. Yep, came out in twenty twenty one. So yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, look, um, you know, I guess we can talk about the the fact that Stuart Gordon. Uh, you know, I think one of the last movies he ever did was Dagon. Uh, I personally love that movie. I think it's very underrated. And that's uh, a gap in my filmography that I am desperate to fill at this point. Yeah, you should see that movie. Um, you know, I don't think it's one that it would constitute being broken down. Um, well, he did Dagon in 2001, but it, it, it's really good. It's really good. Um, and, and you know, he, he's, it, it kind of continues his love of, of Lovecraft. Um, but this, you know, this like dolls reanimator, 
from beyond are around the same around the same period of time you know Corey and i are on patreon exclusively we're going to be doing a a uh, series uh for uh john carpenter specifically talking about every single one of his movies in his filmography i'm and that will be exclusive to patreon if you want to sign up go to patreon.com slash podcasting after dark for more info on that because we're going to be recording that very soon um and i know at some point because that it is a director series an auteur a kind of auteur de force of their all their filmographies and whatnot um <laughs> no, good. i want to write that down that's <laughs> a, a tour de force yes uh we will i'm sure be getting to going through Stuart gordon's filmography at some point so again cheap plug if you like listening to us talk as you all do uh and you it, it's it's an alternative we had the interviews after dark which we've now we're sh- now shifting to the main feed so yeah. many of the interviews that you uh if you're a patreon subscriber you've heard those interviews already if you're not you'll be fine you will be able to listen to those very soon over the you know we'll, we'll doll them out slowly yeah. but surely um but the, the alternative to this is the the director series that we're going to be doing which is i'm excited about and it's more of us talking about what we love and you know we have a good opinion on these things uh and sometimes it can be polarizing depending on how you look at it but it's gonna be a lot of fun so look for that soon the one featuring john carpenter will we'll, that's going to take a while because yeah. we're going to do one movie at a time will we get the Stuart gordon yes yeah i i like that sure. idea right when you said it my my gears started like spinning i was like yes please i want to be able to talk about dolls uh, i love that movie it's hard to find on blu-ray the shout factory is goes for like a ridiculous price on ebay uh, so the beautiful thing is it'll probably get released via kino yeah uh, down the road you know i, I look if you're a seller on eBay, more power to you. If someone's going to buy a Blu-ray that you're selling for an astronomical price, however, I don't want to ever go down that road no. ever again because I have, and it's not cool, man. Like the, the, they shouldn't, Blu-ray should not be considered collector items in the sense that you're selling it for a shit ton of money. Just like, it should be average price, and it will be unless it's the Swamp Thing uh, version with the nudity in it. Which I own. <laughs> Which you own. <laughs> God damn it. I want that so bad. Um, I think I got that off. No, I got that at the, I got that at a Tower Records. Oh, my God. You for like son of a bitch. Bucks <laughs> back in the day. It. And I was like, should I get rid of this? No. I've gotten rid of a lot of DVDs over the years that I wish I hadn't gotten rid of. But I'm glad anyways. you kept that one, man. I yeah, am. Me too. Um, so speaking of dolls, this movie apparently was filmed pretty much at the exact same time that Stuart Gordon filmed Dolls. So I guess he was doing double duty in Italy. Uh, you know, I mean, both those stories were his and Brian Usna and everything. Um, so I, I think he was kind of doing double duty and there's a lot of overlap. But this movie was shot in Italy, in, in Rome, I believe, like where a lot of the Italian films are, are, are filmed. It wasn't, I think even uh, um, Terrorvision was filmed over there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it was. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of Empire Pictures... Yeah movies were and i think it was filmed in like the old deal de Laurentiis de studios or something i think empire right, yep. pictures bought them or whatever but yeah this is an empire pictures jam uh which is which we've done before uh because we did transfers that was an empire pictures film and uh terrorvision i believe was also empire pictures we have yep. a few empire pictures under our belt we have a lot of connections to this movie uh in many ways so this is interesting so if you go on imdb and you look up composer for 
from Beyond, it says Richard Band. But then in the movie, what does it say, Corey? It says Charles Band, which confused the hell out of me. I gotta feel like there's something going on there. Uh, we didn't talk to Richard, our, our interview with Richard, which you will hear down the road. And if you've already heard it via Patreon, you're welcome. Uh, and thank you for supporting us as always. But, um, you know, we didn't get to specifically about From Beyond because he had such a great filmography that he's composed over the years. Um, but I love the soundtrack to From Beyond. I'm going to say he did it, but his brother took credit because that's how Charles Band rolls, uh, <laughs> potentially. And then, obviously, the producer is Brian Yesna. We interviewed Brian Yesna as one of the producers. And we've also um, re- reviewed one of his movies, Return of the Living Dead 3. We did. Uh, will we get to society down the road? Probably. Yeah. I think every, a lot of people want us to do society. That comes up a lot. It does, and and you know the amount of gelatin and KY jelly that's being thrown around in this movie. It's almost like this is a precursor for society in many ways. Especially that in shot where Pretorius and and um, uh, Crawford are like fighting, and their faces kind of you know are stuck together and everything. That that yes. was very society esque to me. Very society-esque. So, um, yeah, so we have those two things in common. And then, obviously, the fact that we love so many of the actors in this film, which we'll talk about, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a, such a tour de force of, like, cult classic, you know, actors and everything. But, uh, you know, real quick, before we move away from, from Stuart Gordon, someone that you and I both love, one movie that I would love to revisit is Fortress. And I know you sing the praises of that. I don't know if we'll ever get to it on, an, on, on a proper breakdown. But if we do his filmography, that and Dagon are two that I just, I would like to revisit Fortress because I only saw it once on VHS. And then... And uh, I would love to just actually visit Dagon. Yeah, Dagon, obviously, we, I, I, I love that movie. Fortress, I love uh, Christopher Lambert. But, you know, we'll, we'll save our accolades of that movie when we get to it, because we will when we do our, our tour de force on Stuart Gordon. But um, I also want to point out King of the Ants is a really good movie. Uh, in fact, he was promoting it at Fango one year, one of the last Fangos I ever went to with the entire cast and got to meet them. It's a it's a different film. Um it's it's a good movie. It's not one of his best, but it's an interesting take on uh, on kind of like the violent genre, like revenge oh, okay. slight genre. What, what's your take on Castle Freak? I saw it when it came out because it's a full moon yeah. picture film. Um, I didn't remember enjoying it that much at the time, but I would like to watch it again, and I may like it more now. Because I have such a nostalgic lens. Yeah. If Barbara if Barbara Crampton screams and cries as much in that one as she does in this one, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about that. <laughs> because and- as much as I love this movie, if I had one thing that kind of drove me a little nuts was her whining and crying throughout towards the end. I was like, Ooh, it's a little grating. It's a, just a little grating, <laughs> but she's great. I still love her. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. And, uh, you know, most, most people know, but you know, we'll, we'll just say it. Um, we lost Stuart Gordon in 2020. He was uh, 72 years old. So pretty young. Yeah. As, as you all well know, I've had my expression. I had my expression, uh, had a good run. He was two years away from having a good run, in my yeah. opinion. And, and I mean that in all sincerity. I would love, I would love it if he was still alive. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer that he's not with us anymore, because the guy is—he's—he's he's one of the legends of horror cinema. 
Um, again, another reason why I'm excited to do this movie. It's kind of like, you know, when you did the thing, obviously, and that's one of John Carpenter's top movies of all time. Uh, but then doing a movie like Prince of Darkness, which is a little bit more under the radar. I'd say From Beyond is more under the radar than, you know, Reanimator and even Bride of Reanimator. I think people might go, oh, yeah, I know Reanimator and it made a couple sequels. And then, oh, yeah, From Beyond. Oh, yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah, no, that's actually a good point. The, this is the Prince of Darkness uh, to, yeah, the, the Reanimator is probably the thing, the more well-known one. So good, good point. Um, but both of those movies have two actors that we both adore, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton, and two actors who still work pretty regularly to today. Yeah, so I, I was thinking about that. Obviously, we kind of run down some of the movies these actors have been in. My question to you, Corey, is what, do you, what is your favorite Jeffrey Combs movie that probably the, the most, the least known favorite Jeffrey Combs movie for you? Well, I don't know if it's like the least known or whatever, but, you know, I, and let's say not like Reanimator or something like that. You yes. know, not one of his yeah. iconic ones. I got to say two things, and I'm not going to lie to you. He was fantastic as Brainiac in uh, Injustice and stuff. He's done Brainiac a lot in voiceovers for the cool. DC Universe, and yeah. I love his Brainiac, but I will always, 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 always have a soft spot in my heart for the Frighteners, I love that movie, and yeah, his performance call. in that movie, it's so much fun. Yes, it relies on you sort of understanding who Jeffrey Combs is. I think the fun of it comes from that, but yeah. the things that he does, he is unleashed in that role, and I think he's absolutely a joy to watch. And then his head explodes, and his, his ghost head appears. It's so good. He's so fun in The Frighteners. Yeah, he's the best part of The Frighteners, in my opinion. Um, my, well, my favorite would hot take. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I, 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 I'll, I'll die on that sword okay. or die on that hill. I think he is the best part of the Frighteners okay. for sure. Um, my favorite of his is Dr. Mordred, uh, okay. full moon film. Uh, just if, if you haven't seen it, it's full moon's take on Dr. Strange in a way it's a comic book movie, really. Yeah, so I never watched that back in the day because at one point I kind of got turned off to Full Moon. I, I didn't like the cheesiness. The irony is now I'm like, oh, God, what I wouldn't give to, like, see cheesiness. Because when I was that age, I wanted everything to be serious and yeah, everything same. had to be all like, oh, rah, rah, rah. now I'm like, no, I, I want some some zaniness in my, in my horror and everything. And when you said, I can still picture the cover to Dr. Mordred, and I can still remember being as a kid being like, nope, that's not for me. Now you say <laughs> it's like a, a, you know, comic book version or Full Moon's version of, um, Doctor Strange, I am dying to watch it. I wonder if we have to get the Full Moon app one of these days. You don't because you can probably get the Blu-ray for like five bucks. Well, it's so prob it's probably also on Tubi too. Yeah, it probably is. Um, yeah, I, I would. You know, it's Full Moon, so it's got like a adult edge to it. Uh, but it's it's good. It's got Brian Thompson from Cobra. You know, the villain yeah. in Cobra. Mm -hmm. uh, great, great face. Great villain. Anyways. Highly recommend Dr. Mordred. But what about uh, BC, Barbara Crampton? I mean, I I'm going to have to go with Reanimator because she she gets head she gets head from a zombie head. I mean, 
you can't beat that and that was like nothing else like that has ever been committed to like mainstream cinema you know what i mean like you would yeah. only find that now in some kind of like hentai or something it's insane that they were able to actually like do that but like she has such an amazing career even to today with like movies like your next and whatnot like like she just never stops working and she's she's always doing like horror movies and whatnot it's it's fantastic yeah she's got quite a filmography it is pretty impressive uh, of all the things that she's done over the years and yeah i mean but what's nothing... your favorite role is it is it the uh is it is it her and the nanny <laughs> <laughs> Where well, I, think she I will actually tell plays you, herself. <laughs> I will tell you, I really liked her in Fraternity Vacation. <clears throat> I, um, that's been sitting in my Amazon queue to purchase for a while now. I'm sure Patreon listener Aaron just went, oh, yeah, me too. Because, you know, Aaron shares a similar brain to us. Yes. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, Reanimator is her movie. Uh, you know, she she's that that's iconic. Uh, but, yeah, Fraternity Vacation is a fun movie. For sure. Yeah. And she, I, I, and she was also in Chopping Mall, too, which is another great film that we will be covering on the show. We will for sure. She's been in so many different genre films. Uh, and and, and I, lo- I love the fact that, you know, I would say she's considered, if you want to call her a B actress, fine. Um, but she does a lot of indie stuff. Yeah. She just does a ton. So I don't know what the deal is with that. I want to say... She's helping out young filmmakers. I'll say that. She seems like a very nice person in real life, too. Yeah. Uh, she's very gracious in, in, uh, on social media. And to the, to the point that she was, like, moved when I did a birthday collage for Stuart Gordon. Um, she was like, this is the greatest thing and blah, blah, blah. And it just that, that made me feel good. So I'm going to say she's an all-around cool person. Yeah. Who, and- who likes to get abused in movies, by the way. Like, this, this movie and Reanimator... Uh, she gets a lot of things done to her that I think by today's standards, people will go, whoa, that's really pushing the envelope. Yeah, it really is. And I was watching the interviews with her and Jeffrey Combs and then old one with Stuart Gordon on the Blu-ray, the Shaw Factory Blu-ray. And you know, you always got to take things maybe with a little bit of grain of salt. But Barbara Crampton did say that this character is one of her favorite characters of all time. She liked playing her. I think she, she said she liked playing the fact that she starts out like more reserved. There's a huge arc for her character. Plus, this character is also sort of the driving force of the film versus Reanimator, where she's her character is more of the victim. And it's almost like her and Jeffrey Combs are kind of swapping places yeah. with this in Reanimator because now Jeffrey Combs very much is the victim in this movie, whereas she is the the driving force and more of the the protagonist. And she's got daddy issues. <laughs> she certainly does. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and then, oh man, how much do you love seeing Ken Forey? So, so Ken is, he's another goat, greatest of all time, you know? Uh, uh, and I would say that Dawn of the Dead is his ultimate all-time greatest role. Um, but man, From Beyond is like the, the runner-up. I love him in this. And it's, I, I still got bummed out when he met his demise He's, towards the end of this movie. He's so much fun in this film, and both Barbara Crampton and Stuart Gordon and maybe even uh, Jeffrey Combs all said 
that this care Bubba is pretty much just Ken Forey. He's super nice, super easy to get along with, like kind of chill and just like a really just sweet, funny guy. They're, Barbara Crampton's like, this is exactly him. And I'm like, I love you, Ken Forey. I love yeah. you. Yeah, I saw him at a um, – Diallo and I actually went to the screening of Dawn of the Dead at the mm. Santa Monica Aero Theater. Um, by the time we recorded this, about a month prior, he was great. He was great. He, uh, you know, was so great. Uh, owned the stage, talked for over an hour about his career, whatnot, and uh, very, very um, candid and maybe a little too candid, depending on, uh, you know, divulging some of the stuff. But really, really, really nice guy. So, yeah, uh, it's nice to know that the people that actually worked with him say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, another person that they said was really nice, but also kind of like real professional and, and just, you know, able to really do the job was Ted Sorrell. Um, I don't really know him from anything else. Do you? No. I mean, I've seen Network. I've seen Lenny. Um, he was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, apparently. Okay. Uh, and, and I never really saw, I don't. I don't know him that well from any of those roles. However, um, you know, this is his most memorable. I mean, shit, he's on the poster. His yeah. face is plastered. I love that original poster and his voice, you know. So good. So good. So uh, he's he's creepy with the, with the chest hair and the shoulder hair and just gross. It gave me traumatization <laughs> as a child. You talked about... Barbara Crampton's kneecaps. I'm talking about his body hair and gelatinous <laughs> globe that kind of creeped me out over the years. Um, you know, that something's coming. That thing has been done to death with various like horror promos for things. And it's so creepy. Um, so, yeah, that's all I know him from. You know, you're talking about we're talking about the cast, obviously. Uh, the only other person of note, in my opinion, that that I that stood out to me was Stuart Gordon's wife yeah. who apparently loves to be traumatized in his films too, or is like down for being traumatized by her husband. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Purdy Gordon. Um, yeah. Yeah. She gets killed horribly this movie and dolls. And I can't remember. Is she in reanimator? If not, uh, I can't remember. Actually, I don't think she is. She, I felt oh, like no, she, she is. She's Dr. Herod. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. She is in that. I think she's pretty much in every one of his movies. Um, you know, I guess they got a working relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, honey. Um, so in this, this movie, you're going to die by getting your eyeball sucked out, need in the stomach, and then your brain sucked out. Okay, sure. dear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, can we make sure uh, should we order Chinese tonight or Thai <laughs> I'm thinking Thai yeah oh, okay make sure the eyeball falls on the ground your eyeball should okay Indian should we do Indian <laughs> yeah okay. make sure that yeah yeah I, I get my eyeball ripped out okay uh, how about that dinner yeah exactly it must be very very interesting conversations to have or did have at that in that household <laughs> no doubt no doubt <laughs> but do you she, she's like eviscerated in, in dolls. Although I think that was like a, a fantasy or something where she gets killed by the teddy bear monster or something. It's been, a, it's been a minute since I've seen that, but yeah, I mean, she's been in all his stuff. <laughs> exactly. You know, I know I'm, I'm 
sure people are like, you didn't mention robot jocks. Ugh, pin the pendulum. No, there, there's all those movies. We get it. Well, but well, and to your point, Zach, if you've been listening to us uh, these past two and a half years, you will know that we mentioned robot jocks a lot, and we oh, both yeah. absolutely love that movie. Uh, Zach and I rarely do movies that aren't like you know rated R or something, but occasionally we'll throw a PG movie in there, and maybe one of these days, robot jocks will find its way. I don't know if there's actually a good Blu-ray version out there or not, um, but that is definitely a movie I loved as a kid and would love to revisit. Hell, well, if anything, we'll revisit it during the auteur de force of Stuart Gordon. And if you're a uh, top-tier patron, you can choose the movie yourself. So if you want to go to patreon.com slash podcasting after dark, like our good friend Crystal is, you can sign up and you can choose the movie. Crystal has chosen... Uh, a couple movies so far that uh, Monster Squad, Monster Squad and Intruder. And she's got one in the pipe uh, that's coming up very soon that you guys are going to love. So if you want to be, it's essentially like a, a producer of the show in a way, if you think about it, because you're producing, you're coming up with the idea. So uh, yeah, consider doing that because it's worth it. You get to be a part of it. We'll break it down. You're going to love that because you love us and we love you. It's a lot of love. It's a lot of love, baby. <laughs> and we will not suck your eyeball out. We will. Our pineal gland will not protrude from our head. However, uh, if we find a guy who can do some killer special effects, then maybe we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe Zach could happen. Get, get a little uh, pineal antenna going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, you know, our buddy, good buddy Lee Germany, he, uh, he has fun with doing uh, GIFs and GIFs or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, editing videos and whatnot. I'm sure he could, you know, do a little face swap on uh, Jeffrey Combs and <laughs> put Corey's head on there with the pineal gland coming out. Yeah, do a face swap on Barbara Crampton, put Zach's face on there. That'd be wonderful, too. I'd love that. Yeah, my body's never looked better. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, um, yeah, are we ready to dive into it? Do we have any other behind-the-scenes stuff? Uh, we already talked about this was filmed over in Italy. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Everything else we'll, we'll touch on when we get in there. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's bite into this like a gingerbread man. Mm. Like a gingerbread man. <laughs> Crunch. Every journey begins in the mind. <laughs> a flight of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Something's coming. Humans are such easy prey. The makers of Reanimator from beyond. The movie starts with Crawford Tillingast, played by Jeffrey Combs, working at a computer in what looks like a very large attic. He has a lot of other computers and devices around him. He looks at the computer screen and it flashes the words ready. He goes to another bigger computer and inputs more commands. He then walks over to a big machine in the center of the room. It's the resonator. It's as tall as Crawford, 
with okay i don't know how to describe it it's got one of those electricity balls on it does there a name for that tesla ball oh, i don't know you're right it might actually be like a tesla ball or something but yeah it's one it of those like glass balls where you can touch it and your electricity goes to your fingers and whatnot yeah it's um, very cool yeah it's really cool it, it, so it has that and it has like a like four giant tuning forks on the top he throws one of the four switches and it turns on giving off a neon pink glow that fills the room now, one thing Ooh. we talked about with David uh, was was the influences from Beyond had on his novel that we published called Seven Winters Alone. In it, there's like kind of a strong connection to like this pink uh, uh, visual color and everything. And it's kind of it represents, you know, the other side, things that are eerie and everything. And then we also see it in, uh, you know, color out of space and whatnot. And I always think of just that this neon pink color. It always feels otherworldly to me even as a kid yeah there's something i love it i mean you guys know how much we love neon pink uh or neon in in general check out our vamp episode but yeah david really captures it in the seven winters alone novel available on amazon um and i i mean we have when we get to the uh the credits in the beginning i mean Oh, yeah. My shit. Yeah. Probably my favorite credits that we've ever seen so far. Ever. Uh, Yeah. On pad. Ever. Like, (laughs) I feel like, uh, did the guest do something similar? No, I guess not. But I feel like. I know what you mean. I feel like there's some vibe, but we'll get to it in a second. We'll get to it in a minute. Um, Sorry. I I know. I love it, too, man. I love them, too. (laughs) So wind starts to blow and Crawford starts rubbing his forehead. Just then he looks up and sees a gross translucent eel swimming in the air around the resonator. Crawford walks over to it and it latches itself onto his face. He struggles with the thing, ripping it and a chunk away from his own face before he turns off the resonator and the creature vanishes in thin air. Freaky, dude. And I like how Crawford's like looking at his hand. He still still looks like he's like he's grabbing like a hoagie or something, but now it's empty. It's it's I mean it literally it's just gone. Yeah. It's it's and it's cool special effect for for the time. I actually think the eels look fantastic. I agree. I I think for the time now even. Now even. <laughs> now uh, even. Uh, <laughs> heavens to Murgatroyd. What happened to me? I'm Snagglepuss. Is that Snagglepuss? Yeah, it's Snagglepuss, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Snagglepuss. AKA my wife's uh, brother. <clears throat> <laughs> Exit stage left even. Oh, my. <laughs> I love Snagglepuss as a kid, by the way. Yeah, Snagglepuss. <laughs> Puss. I would not want him... Snaggle that puss. (laughs) (laughs) Crawford looks at the resignator in fear and runs down the stairs and into the house. He knocks on the bedroom door and yells for Edward. He gets no response and yells for Pretorius. We hear someone behind the door say, go away. Crawford yells, I've got to talk to you. The resonator, it's working. (laughs) Zach's favorite, a shirtless Edward Pretorius opens the door and says, if this is your idea of a joke, Crawford says it isn't. The new program worked. Pretorius Oof. puts on his robe and leaves his room, but doesn't ask about the giant hole in Jeffrey Combs' face. No, he doesn't care because he was doing disgusting things and ugh, so depraved, so depraved. And um, he puts on that like Japanese silk robe, and I'm just like, oh, dude, you're so gross. You're sticky and hairy. Probably smells disgusting. Sweaty. Like, 
body body odor and bad cologne. Ugh, he's so gross. Great acting. <laughs> At the resonator, Pretorius turns on the other sw- three switches. Crawford says, "My God!" <laughs> in shock. <laughs> Edward then turns the resonator on. The room turns neon pink again. Crawford starts rubbing his forehead. Edward says, can you feel it, Crawford? And he shivers in ecstasy. He starts rubbing his face. Crawford looks at the computer monitor, and it's going crazy. He tells Edward to shut it off, but Edward says, never. He says, can you feel it? In the mind. In the mind. Crawford says, it's out of control. You have to turn it off. Edward yells, no. He wants to see more, more than any human has ever seen. The computer monitor explodes. Crawford yells, Edward, it's running itself. I love Jeffrey Combs' acting in this, by the way. He's so good. He's so good. And it's so nice to see him in a departure from Reanimator where he's creepy and, you know, the guy you don't want to touch you. And now he's the guy you do want to touch you, I guess. Uh, he's <laughs> he's, but he's a hero. Yeah. Yeah, he's likable. He's heroic. He's, yeah, he's badass. Edward looks around and says, something's coming. Then we see the attic window from the outside so the house, and the window panes start to explode. Yeah, it is creepy, dude. I love it when something's coming. And with the music, the music is is so great. You know, apparently, and we're just gonna we're just gonna say Richard Band did the music, okay, guys? I, I forget what the credit said. Richard Band apparently got a lot of shit for like imitating other people. I don't care. I think it's good. I love it. I, Imitate all you want. Yeah, I. I think this soundtrack is fantastic. I have no problems with it whatsoever. I do want to point out really quick, uh, 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 Jeffrey Combs was in a movie called Cyclone with Heather Thomas. Um, that movie came out in 87, and he's like a hero in that too. Uh, it's a, it was supposed to get a Blu-ray treatment at, at some point. You can find it on a on a compilation Shout Factory DVD. Um, but he plays a hero in that, and he's kind of a hunky dude. So, Cyclone. Is that it's not the one where like a armored guy's riding a motorcycle shooting missiles out of the front of the motorcycle? Oh that oh that one. Okay, I'm not thinking of that, but I, I know that poster. And yeah, I remember David actually uh, hit us up or, or something, tagged us in it, and he said this is a total pad movie, and then I think the like two days later, uh Dawn of the Discs had to announce that it wasn't happening or something. Something happened to it. Yeah, uh, I think it, I st- I still think it's coming out. It just hasn't been released yet. It hasn't we haven't heard any more about it? But yeah, Cyclone, Cyclone. I, I'm all for seeing Jeffrey Combs in in something else, like in something different. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cut to an old lady on the phone with the police saying they're at it again with the colored lights and weird sounds. Last time I called you, you said to see. <laughs> Last time I called, you said you would send a squad car if there was another disturbance. Well, I'm disturbed. That was fantastic dialogue. I thought that was hilarious. Funny, fun fact: her name's Bunny Summers, and her dog in the movie's named Bunny. Yeah. Um, she's she was in uh, well, she was also in Reanimator. She was great in that, and she was in The Last Starfighter. Yep. So wasn't she the like a nosy neighbor or something in that too? Nosy neighbor in Last Starfighter, I think, uh, or one of the trailer park people. And yeah. in the Reanimator, she is. Yeah, she's like. Your doctor, or whatever. She's in the beginning when <laughs> yeah. the guy's eyes are bulging out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. Guys, we're going to, like, basically break down Reanimator while we talk about From Beyond. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
we will. That's great. It's a two and one. It's just a two for. It's a two pack. And then Double Crystal's feature. like, "Are you have your Jack and Coke, Zach?" And like, nope. <laughs> Zach does not have his Jack and Coke. I do not have any alcohol because I might be getting sick. So I'm drinking tea and honey. And guys and gals, I hope I survive this breakdown. <laughs> He's gonna survive because I'm drinking Paloma. Paloma. And so she hangs up the phone and then her dog, Bunny, also named Bunny, jumps out the the open window and starts running towards the house. It's like, come on, lady, put a screen up or something. That's wild. No comment. Yeah. The old lady cautiously walks up to the front door of the house. It's open, so she goes inside. It's a huge house. We, We see like, we see like this like Confederate era, like, American flag framed on the wall or something. And I was like, what is that? I kind of don't understand it. And then knowing that this is an Italian film, I was like, oh, okay. It's probably just an Italian set dresser being like, okay, this house is an American house. Let me put some American stuff in it, you know, and just pulled something out of props, you know. This is good, yeah. Yeah, Well, I think it's a Civil War era, but I mean, maybe Pretorius. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it actually fits Pretorius. Why not? Yeah. You know, maybe he is racist. He's in this, he's sadomasochistic. Yeah, exactly. But it is a big house with a lot of interesting, you know, it's beautiful house. Great set. Great set. It, it, and this is one, um, well, this is a movie that has very minimal sets, but it's used so effectively. You don't even know. You don't even think about it. It doesn't even register like, oh, they only use one set. You know, it's, it's, I love that about it. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I like movies. Actually, I actually prefer movies. I love movies that like take place in one setting. So it's nice to have this kind of, it's only really takes place in two. It's either the hospital or, uh, you know, at the house. So it's, I, I like that too. Um, yeah. She hears Bunny scratching at the attic door. And by the way, it's not your typical attic like we see in something like Black Christmas where, or, or like Christmas Vacation or something where like, you know, the attic is, is by a string on the ceiling. Here, like the stairs, you can take the stairs from the ground floor to the second floor and then take the stairs up to essentially it looks like it's a full attic. Like the whole thing has been built up like that whole third story is the attic. Well, I'll continue your uh, Christmas theme. It's like Kevin McAllister's uh room in home alone i guess oh right? yeah he was yeah he didn't was he up have there. to sleep in that or something i think so yeah with I his asshole right. parents being an asshole kid <laughs> and asshole family yeah I'm all neither, assholes you and i aren't aren't big uh home alone fans neither of us are it's terrible yeah. sorry guys like don't don't hate us but don't, don't be no. sorry don't be sorry it's, it's it. not good it's not a great movie there's a million other better christmas movies out yeah, there moral message this rich white kid and rich white family come on now yeah me me Man, I'm going to throw Legos on the ground. <laughs> As she bends down to pick up Bunny, an axe hits the door from the inside, and she screams and drops Bunny, of course. She starts running down the stairs. Crawford then opens the door and quickly runs after her. Then he runs past her on the it's, stairs. I love that. It's a really funny scene because it clearly, uh, the way it's edited it, they almost they should have maybe trimmed half a second off because when they cut to her she like is frozen and then runs it's almost like they're saying okay now go yeah you know now go. she's totally being directed because she's paused when they cut back to her every single time like she's frozen and then starts running it's hilarious <laughs> it, i mean it's not intentional at yeah. all 
And and it's just a, another moment in this movie where it kind of breaks the tension, if you think, because it's so creepy. Um, yeah, it's really, really funny. It's really funny. She's, she's not the greatest actress. She must be a friend, friend, of, some, friend of somebody. Friend she's of the family. Though. Maybe she's uh, Stuart Gordon's mom or something. <laughs> yeah, watch. It's like godmother. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Crawford runs out the front door and into the arms of the two, two police officers. The whole time, the lady is screaming and running after Crawford. As the cops are arresting Crawford, the lady remembers Bunny and looks back at the house. Bunny. Bunny, oh. Inside the attic, we see broken pieces of machinery and computer on the ground and Edward's headless body as Bunny licks its head stump. And very quickly and very briefly, you can see that his head isn't like torn off. It's like twisted. Yeah, when the chalk outline comes up later, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the uh, the not the old school GI Joes, but the new ones. But you can pop the head off, and yeah. there's like the little stump there. It's the stump. Yeah, and and I'm I'm with you by the way. We'll definitely talk about the chalk outline when we get to it because I love that. Can we talk about the font yeah. now? I'm kidding. Cut to great credits. Empire Pictures. Oh, that's presents. funny because I knew. <laughs> I know Empire Pictures presents a Brian Usna production, H.P. Lovecraft's From Beyond in fantastic giant pink letters my note here says i love this font this is one of the best credit sequences i've ever seen and the font is so thick and big it's like my dick it takes up the entire fucking screen (laughs) i could not unlike mine um it is not it is yes it is very thick and big um it's beautiful it's beautiful i oh my god i as a kid, I don't know if I ever shared this story, but I had a hyper, like I had a t-shirt that was black that said hot and hot pink. And then you roll the sleeves up and it was hot pink underneath. And I got made fun of and, you know, I wore it once to school and I never wore it again. I would rock the shit out of that t-shirt now. I love black on that pinkish purple. Oh, it's beautiful. I could watch that all day. Watch it all day, son. Hey, hey. And I'm with you. I feel like the guest had something similar. Maybe just the title the guest took up the entire screen or something. I know what you're. I know what you're saying. There was some sort of something that reminded me of the From Beyond uh, font and credits and everything. But whatever it was, regardless, these are absolutely amazing. A million times better than Split Second. I guess we're got- <laughs> That's funny. I guess we got to get to uh, the guest one of these days. Oh, that's uh, Zach and I have actually been. We have a good idea for that. And there might actually be a double feature. So, uh, yeah, we're we're thinking about uh, making it interactive where we have a guest in our home (laughs) and then we break it down. So just kidding for all of you creepy fans out there. Just kidding. A guest in our home that might be a super killer. Wait, I have a person in my home right now. Are you a fan of Pad? I am. Oh, cool. Can you leave now? I will. Okay, thanks. Man, I love that movie, dude. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's a, but but uh, but it is so important. It is so important opening credits to a movie. Yeah. I just have to say. Yeah. Uh, it really is. It it can it can sometimes really screw up your experience by going, "Oh, I have to look at this." Yeah. Or, or it sets the tone for its awesomeness. Trancers had another awesome opening credit sequence, and they had awesome, like, colored fonts as well, like that neon blue. 
Yep, and that movie's also under 90 minutes. And like it's also one. an Empire Pictures film, so maybe uh, Charles Band just knows how to do good credits. Look, Charles Band, I've interviewed and we've interviewed people that, that love him, other people who not so love him. I like the dude. It's what I know of him. I enjoy him. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and I love overall, I love the, the stuff he's created. He's a fan of the movies we love. So hats off to the dude for knowing what's up. And I am always down for, for some Charles Band full moon films down the pipeline. Yeah. Like Seed People. Yeah. Or or uh, <laughs> or subterraneans or Bloodstone. I watched subspecies. Subspecies. Love- there you go. Subspecies. I watched. I probably watched subspecies and Bloodstone the most. Oh man. Well then, I gotta fix that. Yes, you do. Fade into a hospital, and we see Doctor Block. Uh, that's uh, Carolyn Purdy uh, uh, Stewart. That's uh, Gord- Stuart Gordon's. I'm sorry, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, um, Stuart Gordon's wife. Uh, Dr. Block is walking down the hallway. Apparently, she is named after the scientist that uh, I believe in uh, was was Dr. Frankenstein's mentor in the book. I think she's named after him, I believe. Or, no, I take it back. That was Pretorius. Dr. Block is a character somehow related to H.P. Lovecraft. Um, you see her walking down the hallway. She meets with Jordan Fields from the DA's office and Dr. Catherine McMichaels. Catherine McMichaels is Barbara Crampton. Dr. Block says that to Catherine, I've read some of your work. Very impressive. Catherine says, yes, so is this facility. Though if you've read my work, you know I'm not in favor of locking away schizophrenics. Dr. Block says, yes, I know you're in favor of using them in experiments like lab animals. Fields says he asked Dr. McMichaels for her expert opinion on the sanity of Crawford Tillinghast as it pertains to his ability to stand trial for the murder of Edward Pretorius. Now, you'll note in this scene that Fields is like wearing his trench coat over his suit, weirdly, like over the shoulders and everything. And I think... I, I kind of didn't rewind it to pay attention, but I think it's because later when we see him again at the end of the movie, he's wearing the same suit, I believe. And I think here yes. they were just kind of covering it up to kind of give him two different looks. But it kind of looks silly because he's like standing there with the, the trench coat like over his shoulders. Yeah. It's like having a hanger underneath your jacket. <laughs> it's easier to hang up that way. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Dr. Block escorts Catherine into the hospital. She makes Catherine give an orderly her briefcase, her purse, gloves, and coat, and a brooch she's wearing. Catherine follows Dr. Block through a hallway with doors and windows, and we can see and hear the patients. She stops and looks at some of them. Uh, one of them's like violently masturbating, and I noted that this scene, I think Silence of the Lambs ripped this scene off. You took the words right out of my crotch. Uh, yeah, it, it I... I wrote the exact same thing down. I'm like, Signs of the Lambs totally bit off this scene. Oh, yeah. I think it did. I think they were like, oh, let's bite off from beyond. No one's going to remember that, you know, movie. We're going to do We're gonna do an episode. I would love to do an episode with you where movies that have, like we could call it homage or ripoff. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that could be a good little list thing or something. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. buddy Luke uh, recommended we could also do a list of, you know, top five, you know, compound fractures in movies. <laughs> oh, my God. This deliverance uh, had, a, had a pretty good compound fracture in it. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. 
Oh. Ironically, I think Luke and I watched this and Deliverance around the same time, so we got like a double dose of compound fractures. I love Deliverance so much. Yeah, remember, remember when we didn't? Yeah. That's no, a great movie. I love Deliverance so much. Yeah. It's a great movie. Classic. Uh, Classic. Dr. Block says, he's in here, doctor. And Catherine goes over to Crawford's room. Crawford is in the corner of his room. He's still wearing his clothes, but no shoes. My, oh, by the way, Myra watched this with me. She also watched it with me. We watched it back in quarantine, like probably I think in 2020, late 2020. Oh. So she watched it with me again here. And uh, she pointed out, she's like, why didn't? Why is he still wearing like his clothes? And I, I'm thinking this is probably the next day or something, right, essentially? Yeah, I'll give you that. Or it's just an odd choice. Uh, yeah, it's just probably just a, a silly movie thing is probably the answer. Yep. Yeah. Doctor they didn't want him pull. They didn't want him to pull an Epstein. <laughs> Doctor Block introduces him to Doctor uh, Catherine McMichaels. Crawford says, "I suppose you're another psychiatrist." She says, "I am." Then says, "And you're a physicist. Your record at Miskatonic University was brilliant." Now, Miskatonic University is an H.P. Lovecraft thing. It's also referenced, I believe, in Reanimator, and it's also referenced in uh, Colorado Space. Yep, and in Dagon, he's, yep, yep. yep. Pretty much everything, yeah. Yep. Crawford scoffs and said, oh, yes, I had quite a future, didn't I? She says, yes, you were working with Edward Pretorius. Crawford says, I was assisting Dr. Pretorius with his experiments. Catherine asks, what was the purpose of the experiments? Crawford says, to stimulate the pineal gland with resonant vibration. Catherine asks, why the pineal gland? Dr. Pretorius believed the pineal was a dormant sensory organ, a, sick, a sixth sense. Catherine says, that's not a new theory. The philosopher Descartes believed it was the third eye. Crawford, Love that. I do too. I do too. And actually, a lot of what they're talking about here with the pineal gland uh, came from H.P. Lovecraft. Like, I mean, he, he was also tuned into it as well, Descartes and whatnot. But they're actually finding, like, scientifically— it only is recently that they're finding out that it's actually pretty accurate and they're learning more about the pineal gland. Oh, and real quick, I just want to say, yes, this is based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft, but it's like seven pages long. I have not read it, but my understanding is that it's basically everything that happens before the credits in this movie. I think that was a pretty faithful adaptation of the story. And then everything after the credits of From Beyond, the opening credits, is all the new stuff they are kind of going with. But it was it's only seven pages. That's cool. That's, I'm totally down to read it. Um, I will tell you that if it's seven pages, including uh, giant pictures and font size 42, I can easily read it. Yeah. If it's like standard old school, you know, eight font, mm, I'm not sure because that's really more like 24 pages. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest let's, let's be, be honest, honest. <laughs> do you remember when you would increase the font size oh, by the way oh yeah and, i went to college i know <laughs> i know how to cheat point i know how to cheat no nah, um, i'm down to read it though for sure yeah me too crawford proclaims it's not a theory it's a fact Catherine asks then it, then your experiment worked you proved the theory and crawford says he did Catherine asks what went wrong crawford says nothing at first but then they saw them creatures these things that are swimming around in the air all the time Catherine's asks if they are around us now and crawford says you bet only you can't see them without the resonator 
And they can't see us unless you're around the influences of the vibrations. That's why I had to destroy it. Because it came. Catherine asks, what came? Crawford, what did you see? Crawford says, it ate him. Bit his head off like a gingerbread man. Like a gingerbread man. His, the, his cadence is so great. So great. Cue the Sammy Davis Jr. song, Gingerbread Man. <laughs> I got me a cane made of peppermint. Oh, oh, oh. Fun fact, not even going to lie. This is God's honest truth. I listen to that song every single morning when I take Bodie to school in the morning. All tasty and tan, sweet gingerbread man. Fun fact, I just discovered it for the first time this Christmas because, because in the of- in the live action Cowboy Bebop show, they had it, they they used it uh like one of the episodes and I was like this is amazing. I added it to um our our alternative Christmas song uh Christmas list thing with with one from Dan Band uh from that movie Single for the Holidays with uh Bruce ba- not Bruce Box Barry Bostwick. Barry Bostwick, who Zach interviewed for $2 late fee, which the episode should be out now. So go swing on over to $2 late fee and listen to Zach and Dustin interview Barry motherfucking Bostwick. Yeah, I, I think technically it'll probably be released after this episode comes out, but soon after. So, okay. so stay tuned. Stay, go to our Instagram for more details. Stay tuned. But Gingerbread Man Bro is like literally one of my new favorite Christmas songs. But I was also, now that Christmas is over, I was actually like, I kind of want to listen to it again. I'm like, am I allowed to? Am I, can, can I listen to it? It's not Christmas. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. We heard it in, in the Hawkeye show on Disney+. Plus, um, and that's where we, we heard it for the first time. I'm like, this song is a banger and it kicks ass. It, and yes, you can listen to it anytime you want. Yeah, so uh, we were watching Hawkeye at the same time we were watching Cowboy Bebop, so maybe we heard it in that. Um, But either or, same as you, just discovered it, and it's fucking amazing. Guys and gals, go check out Gingerbread Man by Sammy Davis Jr. It is a goddamn ditty, and Zach, you sung it very well. Fresh out of the pan, sweet Sweet gingerbread gingerbread man. man. All tasty and tan, sweet gingerbread man. God, I love it. And it makes me want to actually listen to more Sammy Davis Jr., He's a he's a fucking legend. Oh yeah, he gets so often overlooked because of Sinatra, but the dude was the dude's a legend. So sorry, yeah, we're going off on a tangent, but it's a good one. It's a damn oh. good one. <laughs> and by the way, your your rendition is so good. I'm afraid Spotify is going to flag us. <laughs> Probably not. It's not okay. Forget about putting it on YouTube then, because YouTube's right? even more restrictive. I know. Uh, all right, so back to the movie. <laughs> Dr. Block opens the door and calls for two orderlies to come in and grab Crawford because he's kind of getting a little excited, you know. As they hold him, he says, I'm not mad. I saw it. Catherine and Dr. Block leave the room. In the hallway, Dr. Block says, we can't reach him. He keeps returning to the same fantasy. And Catherine says, let's do a cat scan on him. Block's like, why? You've seen everything you need to see. And Catherine says, there's always more to see. Which is a nice little cut right there, a little transition, you know? I like it. Yeah. I like it. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something 
always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide? If you were haunted for seven winters alone. Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. And now, back to the show. Cut to Crawford, strapped to the CAT scan table. He looks at Catherine and says, no machines. Catherine kind of strokes his hair and says, it'll be all right. She walks into the control room with Dr. Block and Fields from the DA office and some other technicians. Uh, As he goes into the machine, he starts screaming no as the machine starts up. Catherine kind of just turns the speaker off to this CAT scan room. But so it doesn't really it's not really like elaborated on. But what I my takeaway was that the machine scanning him was actually hurting him because his pineal gland. Uh, That tracks. Yeah, I could I could see that. I I wrote down. uh, I noted that they all rolled their eyes when he was screaming. Like, what a little bitch. (laughs) They did. They really fucking did. (laughs) I'm like, you guys are rolling your eyes. Oh, my God. So fucked up. It's hilarious. Which just makes you wonder what doctors do like behind our back, you know, when we're in the examination room. Dude, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, If you want stories... Maybe we could up the Patreon, and then we'll give you some real stories. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dr. Jellyfinger? It's, it's Dr. Rosenrosen. <laughs> Moon River. I can't seem to find anything. Well, it's not for a lack of looking. <laughs> God damn it. We're going to do it one day. I just don't know who's going to break it down, or maybe we do it half and half. I we'll do know. tag team. Well, if, <laughs> yeah. if, 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 you, if you guys sign up for our highest tier on Podcasting After Dark, <laughs> Patreon. Uh, you can choose Fletch or any movie you want, and we'll break it down. That's right. You can but choose you, Brazil. You, yeah, but you can make Fletch happen sooner rather than later if you want. Yeah, so all you guys are like, you got to do this movie. Well, make us do it. Make, make us. us. <laughs> Dr. Block rolls her eyes and uh, turns on the screen, and we see Crawford's brain. Catherine says, oh, my God, there, do you see that? And points at the monitor. The pineal gland is oversized and extending through the optic thalamus. Dr. Block says, I think the tumor is causing his delusions as she smokes a cigarette. FYI. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because that doesn't cause any problems, does it? And it's the 80s, so it doesn't really matter. Yep. Catherine says, I don't think that's a tumor. I think the pineal gland is growing. Block says, that's impossible. Catherine says, I know, but here's weird. This is weird. I know, but the CAT scan bears it out. The pineal stalk is elongating through the brain. Bears it out? I mean, I, I mean, I know that's a, like that's not grammatically incorrect, but who the fuck says that? Um, Stuart Gordon, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they, that's actually the answer. You literally just answered my question, so thank you because him and Brian Usner wrote the script. So you're welcome. Yep. Field says, "Wait a minute, I don't know from the inside of brains. What does all this mean?" <laughs> Catherine says, "Well, it could mean that the experiment they were performing actually does stimulate the pineal." Block looks at her in disgust, and Fields asks, you mean he's not crazy? Catherine says she doesn't know. He actually believes he saw these creatures. Fields says it doesn't explain how Pretorius died or what happened to his head. Catherine says to Fields, I'd like to recreate the experiment, and I'll need tilling gas to do it. Block says that is absurd and unethical. I know your methods. The girl wonder. 
they added that line in because they thought um, Barbara Crampton would be too young to be a psychiatrist. Or I don't think Stuart Gordon felt that way, but the studio actually pushed back and didn't really want Barbara Crampton for the role. Um, and so they were like, you know what? Okay, fine. She was like just a genius. She was, maybe she was a Doogie Hauser type, you know? I'm sure Stuart Gordon didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. And uh, and there's a little bit of, you know, I don't know, I, playful, but I'm like, there's a little bit of tension there between, that's believable tension between Stuart Gordon's wife and Barbara Crampton. Between Carolyn Purdy uh, Gordon and uh, Barbara Crampton? I, I mean, I she's wouldn't be muse, surprised. Man. I know, yeah. I mean, what do you, like, like, I know, like, I mean, she's not, like, Carolyn's not, like, an unattractive woman, um, but, like, clearly Barbara Crampton is, like, Stuart Gordon's muse, and, like, how do you reconcile that, like, as, as your wife or something, you know? I don't know. Look, like, I'm, I'm not comparing. I'm just bringing up an example. You know, Hitchcock had his female muses on screen, too, and, yeah. uh, you know, and it worked. Like, they created magic together. Yeah. So, you know, you got a good thing going, you want to keep it going. Um, but yeah, that's got to be a little uncomfortable as the wife. Yeah, I imagine it, it, it must be. And you know yeah. what? I'll take your Stuart Gordon uh, Hitchcock comparison and I'll thumbs up it, buddy. I am all for that comparison. Yeah, he literally put his thumb up my butt, everybody. So uh, to <laughs> check did. to make sure my prostate's good. <laughs> you're good. You're good, Zach. I, your prostate's a okay, Yay! my friend. Yay! <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and she goes on. Yeah, this. I mean that's not a bad comparison, Hitchcock yeah. and Gordon. Yeah. No, I think they're ma- they're both masters in, of their craft. Yep. Um, so after she says, the girl wonder, she goes, I know your methods. The girl wonder. You use your patience so you can make your great discoveries. At least here we try to cure them. And I do believe that Dr. Block thinks she's doing the right thing, you know? I think both have good intentions. They're, good point. Very good. Catherine says, by locking them up, giving them drugs, taking away their lives, I can give him his life back. Dr. Block puts her cigarette out. I, I tracked that because I was like, she's fucking smoking in the hospital. <laughs> and uh, she looks at Fields. I'll give you my expert opinion. Crawford Tilling Gas is a classic paranoid schizophrenic and a dangerous one. Catherine pleads to Fields that if she can recreate the experiment, she can find out what happened to Pretorius. Fields says, I'd like nothing better than to lock this guy up. I've got a dead man with his head twisted off, covered in some shit the pathologist can't even identify. No other fingerprints found except for tilling gas. No blood on the axe. No blood anywhere. I want to know what the hell happened up there. He looks at Catherine and says, he's all yours. Catherine and Dr. Block exchange angry glances. Then Catherine looks at Crawford and the CAT scan machine. Stay away from my husband. You bitch. What, what, what are you talking about, doctor? I mean... Stay away from my cigarette. <laughs> doctor? 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 doctor. <laughs> uh, Come uh, again. It's Dr. Rosenpenis. Dr. Rosenpenis. Where the hell's the record? <laughs> Dr. Rosen Rosen. <laughs> oh, God. It's my favorite scene of all time. The name is Poon, anyways. <laughs> Comanche Indian. Uh, oh, God. You always get me off track when you start quoting Sorry. Fletch. I just, Sorry. I, my this mind is when, just when I don't have to break down a movie. I'm I like, know. Hey, hey, guess what, guys? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Me fucking up Corey's breakdown. <laughs> you're, not. Kill, you're killing me, He's smalls. doing a wonderful job. Wonderful <laughs> Thank job. you, sir. Thank you. Per usual. Cut to Catherine meeting Crawford as he's being led out of the hospital. She says to him, you're my patient now, Dr. Killing, Tillinggas. He says, thank you. I'll call for an appointment, kind of like a dick. 
And she says, no, you've been released into my custody. You have to come with me back to Pretorius's house. I want you to recreate the experiment. Crawford says, no. Catherine levels with him. She says, look, you can either stay here for the rest of your life or you can come with me. And that's that's a bold statement, but OK, I guess for the rest of your life. Well, you know, the, and, and we're talking mid 80s, early 80s. So uh, our, our view of, you know, the, the mental um, health industry, the mental health in our country was so different. Well, the, the irony is, is that he probably wouldn't be kept there for the rest of his life because very shortly in the 80s, uh, probably near the end of the 80s, all the mental facilities started getting shut down. Uh, it was something you and I already knew, but but it was also talked about in session nine. Um, but that was down, yeah. Reagan, the Reagan era shut down all the uh, the mental institutes. So the funny thing is, I, they probably would have actually released Dr. Tillinghast. Yeah, we're like two, three years in there. Yeah. Two or three years in a hospital. Yeah. What, what's the problem with that, huh? Well, he would still be alive. <laughs> True. And would... double knee surgery will probably be out, too, at the end of her <sighs> run. <sighs> they walk, while she, while she still can, <laughs> outside the hospital together. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. So she says, um, he goes, what, you know, what, that's not much of a choice, you know, is it? And Catherine says, I believe you, Crawford. I want to see what you saw. Uh, they walk outside the hospital together just as Bubba pulls up in a van. Bubba played by Ken Foree. The best. The best. And I love how he, he enters this scene. He says to Crawford, hey, you must be Dr. McMichaels. And he shakes Crawford's hand. Catherine says, no, I'm Dr. McMichaels. And he kind of looks at her and he goes, oh, hi, you must be. And then she goes, this is Crawford Tillinghast. And then Crawford says, the crazy. And I was like, I like it. But then Bubba laughs and says, I'm Sergeant Buford Brownlee. But my teammates called me Bubba. I used to play pro football. We were all crazy. And then he laughs and sort of winks at Crawford and then eats his apple. And I love that because he, he's so nice. He's like connecting with Crawford. Yeah, so he you know he's a chauvinist. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> a lady doctor? I've never seen something like that before. This is crazy. She, she's his... a nurse, right? <laughs> and he eats his apple and winks at the camera. Ain't this crazy, guys? Come on, everybody. <laughs> Come on. Join me in being a male chauvinistic pig. <laughs> Wink. Wink. But I'm good looking, and you, you love me. You just love me. You, we do. We do. We do. We love Ken Forey. <laughs> we love Ken Forey. Cut to Bubba, Catherine, Crawford pulling up to the Pretorius house. By the way, you you saw what the address is, right? I did, but you want to tell everybody? Yes. It's 666 Benevolent Street. I mean, if that tells you you're not supposed to take this movie too seriously, I don't know what does. Yeah. Come on. It's fun. It's a gag. Yeah. It's a good time. It's tongue-in-cheek. Crawford tries to escape the van, but the door is locked. Bubba says, sorry, child-proof locks. Ha, ha, ha. And gets back in the van. Women-proof, too. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. That's good. Uh, Crawford is clearly unnerved. Uh, they all pile out of the van, and Catherine opens the front door. She asks if Crawford would like to show them around. Uh, he kind of won't enter, so she says, Doctor, if you're telling us the truth, the only way to free yourself is to go back through this door. Crawford slowly walks up to it. Bubba says, Come on, Doc. There's nothing to be afraid of. Look, I'll show you. And he walks in. There are no lights in the house. And then Bubba 
Oh, he trips over a giant power cord. It's, I'd say it's like 80% Three's Company level comedy. You know, like it's pretty slapsticky bad. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Crawford uh, bends down, kind of picks it up and says, electrical cables. We needed more power, so so I rewired the whole house. Catherine tries the light switch, but nothing happens. She asks, where's the circuit breaker, doctor? And Bubba shines a flashlight on her. Then Catherine looks around and says, Tillingast, as they realize he's gone. And I think this room was supposed to be darker than it was, but it's kind of like too lit for them to have yeah. seen him like run away. But I think it was supposed to be darker. Yeah. Um, Catherine's about to go upstairs, but Bubba stops her as he says, Crawford knows this house better than they do. They need to find the power. Bubba and Catherine go into the basement and turn on the power. Catherine looks at the cables and says they probably go up to the resonator. Bubba says, first, we find our missing mental patient and goes upstairs with Catherine shortly behind. As Catherine is going up the stairs, so this is a little bit weird because it looked like when they left the basement, Catherine was kind of right behind Bubba. But then cut to this scene and they're running up the stairs, or she is, but he's nowhere to be found. But as Catherine's going up the stairs from the main floor, she hears a a woman's voice um, and in a man's voice. And it sounds like the woman is being maybe beaten. She goes into what we later find out is Pretorius's room and finds Bubba watching a video of Pretorius whipping a, a naked woman, full frontal, by the way, uh, who's tied up. I mean, he's whipping her. Uh, in fact, Pretorius's room looks like a BDSM room. Bubba says, this guy was into some weird shit. Catherine turns off the TV and says to Bubba, I don't care about his private life. Did you say BTS room? I said BDSM. Oh, I thought you said BTS. B- BTS behind the scenes? <laughs> no, uh, isn't that the smooth like butter? BTS? I don't... That, that K-pop band that our good buddy Fernand likes? Oh, I don't know a single thing about K-pop, buddy. Smooth like butter, criminal undercover. Nothing. Crickets, my friend. Crickets. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, <laughs> cut to Crawford. No, it's it, this would pair really well with uh, Terrorvision. I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm sure the Potters would love to get down with Pretorius. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, just taking care of business with Pretorius, baby. <laughs> taking care of business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's that was coming. a great movie. <laughs> oh, it's coming? Because I already came. <laughs> What's Take care of business. Who's with me? <laughs> <laughs> Want another Heine? I have my Heine. Oh man, I need, I need another. I need another viewing of Terrorvision soon. It's been uh, it's been since our last viewing. Guys, if you haven't checked that out, new listeners to the show, check out Terrorvision. Great movie, a lot of fun on that one. And, and we interviewed Diane Franklin. Yep, we did. That was one of our first interviews. And Terrorvision was another traumatic movie from my childhood as well. You're welcome. There you go. Cut to Crawford holding an axe and looking at the resonator as he kind of like walks back into the shadows. Bubba and Catherine walk up the stairs into the attic. They look around at the equipment. They see the headless outline of Pretorius on the ground. And, Zach, it's so funny because they even outlined the little penis nub stump that was sticking out, you know? Yeah, the little nub. The little like nub the neck and... nub. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, I think, again, I think that's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek, too. I think, I think absolutely that, that's tongue-in-cheek. Uh, they also see the resonator. Catherine walks over to it and touches it. Bubba turns on the lights, and Crawford comes running with the axe. But Bubba stops him and says, Is this how you ha- hacked up Pretorius? But Crawford says, That's where I hit it. 
I knocked a fork off. And he kind of points at the fork on the ground. Bubba asks Catherine what she wants him to do. And she says, let him go. He's reliving the night of the murder. Bubba says, DA says you call the signals. Call the shots, not call the signals. Credit the writers with that one. <laughs> I know, but that threw me off. I was like, call, call the signals? What? No one talks like that. No. And you know who does talk like that? Stuart Gordon. Probably Stuart Gordon talked like that. He said, come on, you call them signals, baby. You know, call the, call the, call the shingles. No, it's shots. Oh, it is? I thought it was singles. No, shingles. What is it? Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. No one's going to pay attention to that. Yeah, this movie's going to come out in the theater and no one's ever going to see it again. There's never going to be something called Blu-ray or podcasts where people break down every single line of dialogue and we'll never walk do us that. through it. It's never going to happen, ever. Who in their right mind would ever... How is that even going to be possible? <laughs> how, how would? Why would anybody want to listen to that? Yeah, Flash here, forward 20 years. God damn it, I should have changed that. <laughs> uh, he lets Crawford go. And he looks at the outline in the floor and says, that's where it ate him. Bubba asks, what ate who? Catherine tells Crawford they can start in the morning, but he says, I've started, and starts picking up the pieces of the resonator. Bubba says, all this talking about eating is making me hungry. How about we have some dinner first? No one replies. He says, the real danger here is starving. Now, cut two. And I asked Zach this. And if you don't know, Zach, we're going to have to put this out into the, into the world. But cut to Bubba in the kitchen cooking these. They look like sort of like chickens, maybe fried chickens with potatoes on them or like little like mini pot pies or something. But they're individual. There's like five of them. And he, he kind of like he takes them out and he puts one on a plate, one on a plate, and then three on a plate for him, obviously. And he smells it. But every time I watch this scene, they look so delicious I want to know what they are. Yeah, it's not like a pierogi or something. No, it's it's too big. It's like a little mini pot pie thing, but there doesn't look like there's a crust to it. But yet, somehow they stay together. Yeah, it makes me hungry. Right? It looks really good, doesn't it? Podcasting After Dark presents food that you can make based on the movies we've seen. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the next book David puts out uh, with us, where it's a cookbook of all the mo- the stuff That's from a, the movies. Not a bad idea, actually. That would be wild. Yep. Sometimes, <laughs> some time passes, and we see Bubba looking out, out the attic window um, as Catherine is asleep at her desk and Crawford is finishing up the resonator. You know they've already eaten and everything. Crawford walks over to Catherine and looks at her. Bubba comes up behind him and says, pretty, isn't she? Because he's kind of like staring at her, uh, you know. I think I think Bubba's kind of like being like, uh, "Be careful, Doc." You know, no, he, he's watching yeah, him. Yeah. Crawford says she's beautiful. He used to bring beautiful women up here. They'd eat fine meals, drink fine wine, listen to music, but it always ended with screaming, and I would just lie there and listen to them screaming. Sounds like me. Let's. Well, never mind. <laughs> when I was a kid, woo! <laughs> I would tell my friends, "Oh yeah, my mom's got a stomach ache." Oh, I have <laughs> never once heard either of my parents having sex. Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. Bubba says your boss had some screws loose. Crawford says he was a genius. It's just that the five senses weren't enough for him. He wanted more. 
Catherine wakes up and doesn't ask, why are you staring at me? She wakes up and asks, is it finished? And Crawford says yes. <laughs> Crawford says he had to bypass the main computer because the magnetic field erased the program. Since the monitors are destroyed, the entire system has to be manually operated. He also had to modify the resonator to, to be just an on-off system. When it reaches 20,000 megahertz, they throw the switch and a powerful magnetic field vibrates the forks at a precise frequency. Catherine says, stimulating the pineal gland, allowing us to see with it. Crawford says, listen to me. Don't move when you're within the field of the vibrations. You move and they may see you. It will see you. Bubba says, what is this it anyway? Crawford warns, pray you don't see for yourself. Crawford says, if it appears, he's shutting down the resonator. Bubba asks Catherine if she's sure they're ready. She says, yes. Crawford slowly turns the resonator on. Wind begins to blow as the lighting in the room changes to pink and the forks begin to vibrate. Bubba looks around and says, this looks real great, people. Crawford and Catherine start touching their foreheads. Crawford looks at Catherine and she looks at him. She looks at him like she's having an orgasm. Bubba looks over and sees the translucent eels and some jellyfish-looking creatures swimming through the air. He walks over to them and then reaches his arm out. Just then, Crawford tells him to stop, but one of the jellyfish creatures latches onto his arm. He rips it off and tears a chunk out of his own arm. Oof. That was a cool little creature, too. Yeah. Catherine asks Crawford, Is that what you saw? He says, These things are around us all the time. Just then, the window explodes and the lights pop. Crawford says, It's coming. Oh, that was good. That was really good. Catherine goes to Bubba and asks if he's okay. He says he's just lost a little chunk, but he's fine. Crawford rushes to them and says if they move in the field, it can sense them. Catherine asks how far the field extends, but he just says he's turning it off. Then we hear a voice say, Crawford. Bubba says, show yourself. And a figure steps out of the shadow and says, Welcome home, Crawford. I'm glad you came back. Who's the lovely woman? Creepy. Very creepy. Slowly, Edward's face is revealed and Crawford says, It can't be you. Catherine says, Dr. Pretorius? Edward says, You have me at a disadvantage, my dear. Crawford, where are your manners? Bring your friend to me. Crawford says, I saw you die. No, not die. Just pass beyond. He goes, It was horrible. He says, a necessary rite of passage. Quite wonderful, in fact. Bubba says, Where have you been hiding? <laughs> Edward says to Catherine, Move toward me, my dear. I want to see you. She takes a step, but Crawford gets in the way. He says, How? Did I survive? I'm the master here. Crawford asks, Is it really you, Edward? Pretorius puts out his arms and says, Touch me, if it pleases you, if it helps you understand... He's got a nice swimmer's body. He just needs to fucking shave that shoulder fucking hair, man. Yeah, it's so gross. It's like ugh, every sexual pervert that you've ever encountered in your life all wrapped up into one. It's just like gross because, you know, he's just like sexing you with his eyes. It's disgusting. And I mean, it's kind of perfect for, for the, the character, you know, it is perfect. It's perfect. It's it's so disturbing because you're just like oh this guy's so gross and he's 
having his sexual fantasies fulfilled by weird organisms in another dimension. You're right. I didn't even think about that, dude. He is. It's probably an all-out orgy over there with the fucking the eels like suck, sucking on his dingus and everything. Yeah, or yeah, doing all going up inside him and who knows what's going on there. Wow. Yeah. It's it's uh it's yeah. Oh, I guarantee you, it's a wild scene over there in in from beyond land. <laughs> Crawford slowly walks over to Edward and places his hand on Edward's shoulder. Crawford's fingers sink into Edward's skin like putty. And I think they did a good job of kind of matching it. You can tell a little bit if you really pause it to look at it. But overall, I felt bad for the special effects guys because it does happen on a part of the actor's shoulder that's all hairy. So they not only had to match his skin and everything with like this putty, but they also had to fucking match the hair and everything. I actually really like this scene, though. It's really disturbing. Mm-hmm. And this is the most human that we'll ever see Pretorius at this point. Yeah, he's hanging out in another dimension with Gordon Jump from that episode of Different Strokes. <laughs> yep, yep, the, yep, the famous uh, after-school special episode. Uh, Crawford recoils in horror as Edward laughs and rips off his own face and says, It's just a body. But my mind is indivisible. Bodies change. He laughs as tentacles grow out of his face. Then Edward's head splits open like Palmer in The Thing, and Bubba shoots him. It does nothing. All of a sudden, like two giant hands grow out of his like his neck hole uh, of Edward's body and reach for Bubba and everybody. But Crawford turns off the resonator in time and says, That's quite enough of that. The three of them look around the room in shock. And I love this, by the way. Bubba then tries to act tough and everything, but winds up just puking in the corner. And yep. I, l- I actually kind of like it when you see characters throw up after like such a an intense experience. It's pretty authentic. Yeah. I would think that, that, that that's how it would go down. <laughs> One of my favorite comic books of all time was called The Ultimates. It's essentially, uh, uh, it was the Avengers, the ultimate version of Avengers. The ultimate universe was Marvel kind of trying to do a reboot because there was too much history and everything, yada, yada, yada. But The Ultimates is where we first saw um, basically Samuel Jackson as as uh, Nick Fury and everything. Oh, cool. And I highly recommend reading the first book. The art is spectacular. It's amazing. Um, but at the end of the arc, they do a giant, like a fighting aliens, a world threatening thing. It's massive. It's huge. It's insane. But at the end of it, after it's all over and then the rubble and the dust and everything, Captain America goes behind a tank and throws up because it's just, it's so fucking much. You know what I mean? And I just, I think it's awesome when you see characters do that. Like Bubba here. I mean, I feel bad for him, but at the same time, it just, it makes it so authentic. I've never done that. Hope I never will. But yeah, I could. It's believable. You mean like throw up from stress, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. In the kitchen, and by the way, at this point, it's it's day it's daylight. Even in this scene right here, it's kind of like it's already morning time. So they kind of work through the night. In the kitchen, Catherine's making eggs, and it's it's daylight. Uh, while Crawford is sitting at the table, she says she feels exhilarated. He says they almost died. She goes on, incredible creature. It must have total bodily control on a molecular level. Crawford says, yes, in Edward's mind. He became the thing that ate him. Catherine reassures him that they saw the same thing. That means he's not insane. 
She says he faced his fear and overcame it. You saved our lives. And he did. That was really cool. Yeah. Just then, Bubba walks in and says, yeah, I owe you one. Catherine asks everyone if they want breakfast, and Bubba says, how can you eat after that? She says, you can't work without eating, and Bubba looks confused. What work? Catherine says they have to record the results. The pineal gland was stimulated. Bubba says, well, it gave me one hell of a headache. Catherine says it's the expansion of the pineal that caused the headache. Then she says, I'll have to do a study of CAT scans on schizophrenics. If there's a statistical correlation between schizophrenia and an enlarged pineal, they may be seeing or feeling what we saw. Their minds may be influenced by those creatures. Bubba says, (laughs) what about the hard-on I got? Is there a statistical correlation for that too? (laughs) Now look, come on now. Come on. I I want that boner back. (laughs) Catherine says uh, they know the pineal gland helps to regulate sex drive. Perhaps the pineal stimulation causes accompanying sexual stimulation. Her and Crawford look at each other sexually. There's so much to learn. Bubba says they learned what they came for. Crawford isn't crazy, and it ate Pretorius's head. They're going to think we're crazy, but that's their problem. No, it might actually be your problem. Yeah, I think so. Catherine says they'll just have to do the experiment again. Crawford and Bubba look shocked, and Crawford tells her she can't do it again. Catherine pushes back and says, you always run an experiment twice to check the results. Well, this is true. Crawford says, I saw it get to him, Catherine. Just exactly what you're feeling, and it ruined him. Catherine said she'd like to know more about Pretorius. His resonator is a work of genius. Bubba chimes in, we were in the same nightmare? I mean, didn't we just almost get eaten by it? Catherine says, all it takes is a hand on the switch. If it appears, you make it disappear. Bubba says, how about if we disappear out the door? Yeah, Bubba. Yeah, he he knows what's up. Yeah, he does. Catherine pleads her case that this is the greatest discovery since Van Leeuwenhoek first looked through a microscope and saw an amoeba. I wrote the name down, but I could not pronounce it. Van Leeuwenhoek. <laughs> Dr. Rosenpenis. <laughs> Dr. Rosenrosen. Dr. Rosen? <laughs> Where's the records room? Come again? Where the hell's the records room? <laughs> God damn it. Bubba says, yeah, but he wasn't down there with the amoebas. This is true. That's actually a good point. Good point. Catherine says she has to find out if the pineal gland is really the key. Crawford says fine, but under controlled conditions. Catherine says they have control. No one knows the resonator better than Crawford. He says yes, and no one is touching it. Catherine pleads with Crawford. This could be the first step in curing schizophrenia. She goes on, my father spent 15 years in an institution. He died in one. This is where we get to the truth because it's all about her daddy issues and wanting to save her dad, and she didn't. And she couldn't save her dad in the fir- in, in uh, Reanimator either. Oh, yeah, daddy issues. Barbara's daddy issues. In movies, not in real life. We don't know. <laughs> no, we, I'm just just yeah. in the character. Just the, the character. character. Yeah. Uh, Catherine's daddy issues. Yes. Uh, They called his condition incurable. They tried drugs, shock therapy, even surgery, but they turned him into a vegetable. Crawford says he's sorry. Catherine keeps pleading. We can save so many others. Please, Crawford. We can do it. Help me. Crawford says, 
help you to take your mind and shatter it? He throws his coffee mug on the floor and breaks it. Bubba says, I won't let you. I'm the law here. Say that for me, please. I won't let you. I'm the law here. <laughs> By the way, who the fuck's going to clean up that mug? Yeah. Not not Catherine. It'll, it'll be Crawford. Who smashes a mug on the ground? Like an asshole. Yeah. Come on, people. I want to step in glass. <laughs> he says, you turned it on and it's reckless endangerment. Catherine says, look, we <laughs> I almost did it in Bubba's voice. Look, we all need some rest, okay? <laughs> look, we all need some rest now. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Go check out our Trading Places review. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she goes, why don't we get some sleep and then we'll think about it. Bubba says, they, get some re- they all get some rest and then they're going. Cut to later in the day, and Catherine is trying to sleep, but keeps tossing and turning and rubbing her forehead. She eventually sits up in bed and looks at the ceiling. Cut to Catherine in her nightgown, walking up the at the stairs to the attic. As sexually as sexual as this scene becomes, this nightgown is weirdly not revealing at all. No, up until a certain point, <clears throat> when the lights, when you can basically see through it. Yep. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, that's why Stuart Gordon picked that one. I'm not gonna say anything, <laughs> right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, besmirch the dead. I, I just, I mean, you know, she, she consistently uh, gets a, abused in a very interesting way and reanimator in this one. Yep. I love how I said reanimator in a very reanimator. <laughs> You're not even that drunk. No. One paloma. See. <laughs> and I have nothing but chamomile tea and uh, lozenges in, in me right now. This week's episode brought to you by chamomile tea. Did you expect that on Podcasting After Dark? No. <laughs> this week's episode brought to you by COVID. Oh, <laughs> no, hopefully not. <laughs> we'll probably see tomorrow. Uh, Catherine walks over to the resonator and puts her hand on it. Downstairs, Crawford is is trying to sleep in Pretorius's bondage room. So per, that's Pretorius's room, and it's a I tiny mean, little like one person bed. Which that makes sense because Pretorius never sleeps with the women that come over. Yeah, I'm sure that bed still reeks gross. of coconut oil, body odor, and it's sticky, oh. and it's got hairs, little curly hairs everywhere. Because oh. no one no one groomed back then. No. No, those little curly hairs were everywhere, Curly dude. hair is everywhere. Oh. You're sleeping there. Put your head on the pillow. There's a big curly hair in your face. Oh, 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 oh. That's, that's Because it's from the chest, guys. What What did you think I meant? That's disgusting. <laughs> you know what's more disgusting? The shoulders to me. I just think the shoulder and, like, the, the trapezoid hair, you know? Oh, I hate that shit. I'm so glad I don't have that. I do. I, I Yeah, I've got some body hair, and I shave it off because I'm just like— you wouldn't look like Pretorius though if you didn't. Though, no, because I'm you? in good. Sh- I'm in good shape. <laughs> and I don't. And I you're don't so sweat modest like too. <laughs> I am so modest. Svelte. <laughs> Svelte. <laughs> Zach the total snackage. <laughs> Guys and gals, if, this is an audio podcast, but I'll tell you, Zach's a good-looking dude. But oh, uh, thanks, <laughs> Mister. So likewise, thanks. Fucking thanks. otter. <laughs> thanks buddy so yeah crawford is tossing and turning just like bubba they're both tossing and turning yeah in the attic in the attic catherine turns the resonator on the room glows pink she winces in pain and touches her forehead 
Downstairs, Crawford wakes up. We see his forehead is starting to bulge in the middle. A very good it's effect, awesome. by the way. Great effect. Yeah. Cut to Crawford running up the stairs uh, to the attic, and he sees Catherine standing in front of the machine, and she looks like she's in ecstasy. He says, turn it off, and she says, no, I have to see more, feel more. And I like this. She's becoming like Pretorius. Yep. Crawford walks to the machine, but Catherine kisses him instead. He tries to break free, but she pulls him back, and they passionately kiss again. Crawford eventually says, no, we've got to stop it. Then we hear a voice say, Oh, don't stop. Mm. They quickly turn around and Edward is standing behind them. He's really close to, I hate that, uh, like how close he is, you know? Yeah. Uh, they can only see his profile. He still looks human. He says, I'm impressed, Crawford. Do you realize now what I was creating? Crawford says, Edward, my God, what have you become? Edward slowly turns his body towards them, and we see he's only half human. Now he's half monster, but this is basically what he looks like on the movie poster cover, which freaked me out as a kid as well. But I do love what he says here, because Crawford says, what have you become? He turns and he says, myself. Catherine whispers to Crawford, get the switch, I'll distract him. Just then, Edward shoots out a long tentacle arm and grabs her and pulls her close. Yes, I do find you distracting. Crawford reaches for the resonator switch and Edward yells, don't. Did you notice like Crawford like does like this funny like little movement and then he pauses when, when you know, he yells don't. But it's like it's in a funny like mimey sort of run movement. Yeah, it must be just the way the costume is set up like he must have had a hard time moving around in that suit. Oh, I meant Crawford, not not. Oh, uh, oh Crawford, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Ed, yeah. sorry, sorry. I thought you were talking about clitoris. Um, <laughs> Good one. I'm surprised it took us an hour and forty five minutes to get that, <laughs> Doctor Clitoris. I had it saved in my uh, debauchery bank <laughs> for the right moment. Good one, but but you bring up a good point. Um, apparently, behind the scenes, uh, um. The gentleman, I forgot his name just now, plays Pretorius. Uh, he was very patient, but he would a lot of times be ready in that in that horrible makeup and everything, and they wouldn't be ready to go, and he would just have to kind of be sitting around for hours in that makeup, and they were like, God bless him for being so patient because it was he was mis- miserable in that, you know? Yeah, Ted Sorrell, yeah. Ted Sorrell, yeah. Crawford tries pleading with him. He says, whatever you are, you're still Edward Pretorius. You're still human. Edward says... More than human. Join me forever. Everyone must join me. Crawford quickly runs out of the attic, leaving Catherine with Edward. As Crawford runs past Bubba's room, Bubba comes out in just his little underwear, just a little speedo. And now now knowing this was filmed in Italy, I guarantee you they bought that because that looks like European underwear. Hey, man, where'd my boxers go? I know, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Foray, we have something else for you. No, what? These. He, what holds, the them up. he holds them up and they're like, they're so tiny. I thought you put fruit in this. <laughs> I put fruit in this earlier today. I'm about to put a giant banana in this thing. <laughs> I hope it doesn't become see-through when I go in water. Uh, I mean, as, come on, he's a beautiful, he's a beautiful man. Oh, he is. Oh, he's, oh, Ken Forey is a is a specimen. As uh, as our our boy Brule, as our boy Brule would say, 
He's a hunk. <laughs> He's a hunk. So Bubba comes out and sort of tackles him, uh, tackles him down the stairs. And as I was taking as I was taking notes, I happened to pause it right at the moment where you could see the two stunt people's faces. I was like, ah, that's funny. But yeah, he's funny. He tackles him right down the stairs in his little tidy underwears. He could have broke his fucking neck, by the way. Yeah. I'm like, damn, that 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 stunt man or no stunt man. That is a dangerous uh, tackle. And that's like and that's like a big staircase. That's like a um. That's like a witchboard level, like, like landing, like, cause it's like staircase that goes down and then goes to the right and keeps going down. Like it's a long staircase. And remember in yeah. which, which board that the house kind of had like a big staircase in it. I totally remember. Yeah. I think that was carpeted though. This was not. No, this is hard wood. Yeah. Wood. <laughs> Just like Ken Forey. When they get to the bottom, Crawford says he's going to the circuit breaker to shut it off. In the attic, Edward licks Catherine's face as she's screaming. He rips her nightgown open and then tears her panties off and throws them. <laughs> Myra was even like, because it's kind of quick. You don't really notice that he throws her panties off. But she was yeah. like, did he just throw her panties? She was like, did he just throw her panties off? I was like, I think he did. Yep. He sh- then shows her like his human hand and then the fingers start growing real long. And I'm like, uh-oh, you about to get tentacle graped. <laughs> yeah, this is really creepy because he moves that tentacle finger down you don't see it at all but it goes you know below the camera frame down to where her you know crotch would be and then she starts screaming and he's laughing (laughs) you know yeah i'm sure something's going on there oh in my head it is (laughs) in all the hentai i I watch it is Uh, and he said would you rather have my gelatinous body or harry um, I, neither? No, you must choose one or the other. My long fingers. My or, funky phalanges. Or my hairy chest. Mm. Oh. oh, neither? <laughs> I smell like rotten beef. And canola Gross? oil. An axe body spray. He does not spell like Axe Body Spray because there was no Axe Body Spray back then. No. But he definitely spells like what you said earlier, coconut oil. That I see. Coconut oil and... KY jelly. KY jelly. (laughs) And ricotta cheese. What? So apparently all the goop that's covering like him and all throughout this movie apparently that's the same goop that they put into McDonald's milkshakes to give it that like consistency. Yum, yum. Yeah, pretty gross. Uh, He says to her, In another life, I would have enjoyed you in another way. Yeah, I just want to say, too, it's, like, so gross. It's so gross, Um, you know, as a young kid watching this and having no clue what is going on and only knowing about this stuff from, like, I had no idea what, I don't even think it registered to me at the time. There is no way in hell a kid our age should have ever seen this movie. Um, but we did. And yet, and now here we are 
talking about it on podcasting after dark. I'm I'm with you, man. Like I didn't pick up on half of the shit, you know, when I was a kid. And like all I remember being scared of was her blown out kneecaps and the shit floating around and everything. I I blocked I think the rest of the fucking movie out of my damn mind because it just it blew my mind. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I just picked up on the fact that he was a monster and it was an alternate universe, and I thought that was cool. I didn't yeah. really it didn't register to me. The whole S and M angle didn't register to me. Um, no, none of it did. But now, like now knowing what I know, like it all makes sense. Like it's actually really fucking cool. I mean, it's gross. It's nasty. The things that they're tackling, you know, are, are weird and, and, and whatnot. And hey, if you're into that sort of thing, there's no judgment as long as everybody's no. consensual, you know. Um, but I think all of it actually is really would probably be correct for Pretorius's character. You know, I think Stuart Gordon, I think they really wrote a tight script here. Oh, yeah, no, no, uh, again, you know, like we said in the opening, this is one of, you know, our personal favorites, and, uh, uh, but the subject matter is depraved, it's very depraved. It's, it's yeah, well, one of the most depraved movies we've, we've done on, on this show. Yeah. Crawford and Bubba run into the basement, but find it flooded with water and a giant, like, dune-looking sandworm thing uh, blocking their path to the circuit breaker. Now, of course, uh, behind the scenes, um, Jeffrey Combs talks about this creature effect and everything and how... We know from from Deep Deep Star Six um, that when they 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 lovingly created this creature, they had everything ready to go. You know, it's all made out of foam and whatnot. They put it in water, and it just became three times as heavy, and it just stalled production. They had to stop. They had to fix everything, create bigger winches and stuff. But yeah, I was like, everything he was saying, I was like, yeah. I mean, I know that I think Deep Star Six came out after this, but I was like, yeah, yeah I know. I knew I knew exactly what was going to happen when he said and then they put it in water and I was like, it's going to absorb all of it. And he was like, it absorbed all of it. <laughs> yep. Yep. But it's by the way, I love this scene and I love this creature design. I think it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, uh, John Beekler, uh That's how you say his name. John Beekler, Rest in rest in peace, because I don't think he's not he's, he's not alive anymore. Uh, I think he did all the creature designs. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. This one's a good one, man. This one's really fucking cool. I wish we saw more of this thing. And I also like how, you know, Crawford says the, that the vibrations from the resonator must reach all the way down in the basement. And then I, that's when I also started thinking. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it's not just, like, contained in the attic. Like, it's a giant—we think about it, it's a giant circle radiating outwards. I mean, hell, even— the air above the attic outside, it's probably reaching up there as well. There might even be, like, fucking things flying around in, in the air, like, above the house, you know? Probably. There probably is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really quick, uh, John Beekler died in 2019. Oh, damn. Uh, and, and Ted Sorrell passed away in 2010. Yeah, I knew Ted Sorrell had been passed for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Bubba says he'll be right back and runs upstairs, leaving Crawford with the worm. In the attic, Edward spins Catherine around to face him. She asks what he's going to do to her, and he says, I'm going to kiss you. His head rips open, again, like like Palmer in, in the thing, and another more gruesome head emerges. It's kind of kind of like beak-like a little bit with like some yeah. pincers on the side a little bit. It looks bit. like a, ugh. It's gross. Uh, king worm. Yeah, there you go. In the kitchen, Bubba grabs a giant knife, then runs back downstairs. In the basement, Crawford dodges the worm and makes his way to the breaker uh, in waist-deep water. Bubba rushes down the stairs and stabs the worm with a knife. 
Crawford reaches for the breaker, but the worm sort of knocks him over. Upstairs, the Edward monster is eating Catherine's head as she screams. It looks like it's trying to twist her head off. This is fucking intense. In the basement, Crawford comes out of the water just to have his head eaten by the worm. Bubba tries to free him from its mouth, but can't. It swallows Crawford whole. Bubba reaches for the power cord and yanks it from the wall, turning off the resonator. Crawford drops to the basement floor. He is completely hairless. It was all burned off by the worm's stomach acid. And this was something else I didn't understand as a kid, like why Crawford came out bald and everything. But now I'm like, oh yeah, he fucking got eaten. He was in its fucking stomach. Like he was about to fucking die. He's being digested as we speak. And all of a sudden, boop, I'm back in reality. And he's like, you know, like five feet off the ground and like lands on the ground. Like that's fucking horrifying, man. Oh, it's disturbing. Yeah, totally. And then Catherine also falls, uh, you know, to the ground and then quickly gets up and like sort of covers herself with a ripped nightgown. Uh, Bubba picks up Crawford, who's clearly in immense pain. He takes him upstairs. Catherine runs to the resonator and starts pulling the cords as she screams and cries. And I know that you were a little bit annoyed by all the screaming, but I do like how traumatized she was by the event. Totally. I, I, I'm annoyed by it, but it also makes sense. Yeah. And it's good acting. Yeah, but it is a lot of screaming and crying and, and yanking of cords. <laughs> like, okay, get it, I get it. You're traumatized. You're oh my God, traumatized. you just got your head eaten off. Ugh, come on, why don't you cry about it? Big deal. You survived and it's gone. What's the big deal? Well, well why are you crying? You still lived. Who cares? Is, it doesn't matter whether she comes, stays, lays, prays. It's all about the attitude. <laughs> what? Damone, what are you doing in here? I tell oh, you, this is a great place to be. <laughs> now, what does he say? He says, no matter where you are, that's the place to be, even in the other dimension. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Good one. I thought you were going to go with the uh, the the, buff, uh, the buckaroo bonsai quote, no matter where you go, there you are. Oh, yeah, that too. But Damone, tra- Damone tracks because he's kind of a. Yeah. 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 D- Damone is. D- yeah. Damone was a, b- a better reference, but I do love me some buckaroo bonsai. I sure do. Big bootay. That's a great movie, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I saw it as a kid, and I did not get it at all. And then I saw it again as an adult, and I was like, that's genius right there. Right? That's a PG-rated movie, too, I think. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. 
and decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. Well, time lapse. Bubba and Catherine are sort of applying ointment to Crawford's skin as he lays in Edward's tiny bed. Catherine says, I'm sorry. I really thought that I could control it. Bubba says, it's changing us, Doc. All of us. And not for the better. She says she was wrong for turning on the resonator with other subjects present. It's clear now only one person should run the experiment. Bubba gets upset and says, This alien experiment, it's suicide. This ain't an experiment. This ain't an experiment, it's suicide. <laughs> I love the first one, though. I'm going to keep it. This alien experiment is suicide. Well, I mean, it's it, That true. tracks, too. That actually it works. Tr- it tracks. By the way, um, you know, Crawford probably had a room in this house. Why didn't they go to his bedroom? I know. Well, I think that's the one that Catherine's using. Oh, well, I mean, come on. The guy's like yeah. naked mole rat at this point. Just yeah. like give him his own room. He's got burn marks all over him. His, Jesus Christ. He is a naked mole rat, by the way. That was That is a good call. Yeah. She says that the presence of other subjects causes dangerous distractions. Bubba says that he recognizes the behavior. He's seen it on the streets. You may be a scientist, lady, but right now you're acting like a junkie. Catherine says, just take him and leave. Bubba says, wrap him up. I'll get the van ready. Then he looks back and says, put some clothes on. Unless you want me to take you kicking and screaming like that. And he leaves the room. Catherine rubs the center of her forehead, then starts touching all the bondage gear. Mm. Ooh, she's clearly turned on. Mm. Once she re- sort of realizes it, she kind of... Like, backs away, startled, but then bumps into an armoire, and it opens to reveal a leather outfit. Ooh. Catherine rubs the leather against her face and uses her other hand to rub her breast. I mean, you don't you don't see, like, her, her like, breast exposed, but it's really hot. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Well, she practically, you know, I've never seen dry humping in a movie quite like this. Yeah, this is the, the most intense dry humping I've ever seen. <laughs> Bubba puts his gear in the van and then goes back inside. Upstairs, Catherine's putting the leather outfit on and walks over to Crawford. She sits on the bed next to him and starts to move the sheets down. She touches his body, then reaches her hand in his pants, and then, like, you can, I mean, I don't know how Barbara Crampton is not touching Jeffrey Combs's penis at this point, but uh, she puts her hand down there, and then she pulls her hand out and licks her fingers. Honestly, that's like some rated X shit right there, man. Yeah. This is intense. Catherine then gets on top of Crawford and starts grinding on him. 
Bubba walks in and looks disturbed. He says, What the hell are you doing? She slowly looks over at him seductively and smiles. He says he told her to get dressed. Catherine gets off Crawford and walks over to Bubba. She poses for him and say and says, I did. He says the van's ready. You going like that? She walks over to him and says, no. He goes, and then she says, what a shame. I just love what you've done with this room. I was like, why? That's a weird bit of dialogue to him. Yeah, I, I know. I'm like, are you thinking that it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really match up that well. Yeah. That, yeah. Especially after he's like, basically, you know, we got to, I'm leaving, we're leaving. I don't know. I, I'm. I, I, you're supposed to assume that she thinks he's clitoris in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Or she's just hyper horny. Um, in the basement, we see bolts of electricity making a connection between the circuit breaker and the cords powering the resonator. I love that. It's cool. Me too. Back upstairs, Catherine starts rubbing Bubba's chest. He says, You're asking for it. Mm. She becomes aroused, and he grabs her and spins her around to face a mirror sort of on the ceiling. Bubba yells, Look at yourself. Is this who you are? She looks and she starts crying. She says, I don't know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I get it. I get it. She's this button-up doc. With daddy issues. <laughs> Did she you? gets uh, diddled by clitoris, and, you know, the rest is history. Oh! <laughs> if people joined in right at the two-hour mark, they would have no idea what we were talking about. Because um, now we just call Pretorius Clitorius. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that you—I appreciate that you said we call. Yeah, of course. We're, we're in this together, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll go down this—we'll <laughs> die on that cross— <laughs> We'll die on that hill together. The, sh- the pad ship will go down together. <laughs> Mr. Schaefer, uh, who said clitoris in your <laughs> Dr. January episode? Well, clearly, uh, it clearly it's the guy named Sleazy C. Yes. <laughs> uh, just well, then- he's a eunuch now, so. <laughs> True. We're getting to that. Just then in the attic, the resonator turns on and all the cords reattach themselves via electricity. Weirdly, it's not the other way around. You know what I mean? Like, it turns on, and then they reattach themselves. You'd think it would be the other way around. Yeah, maybe it's editing. Yeah. And I do like how all the fondling didn't wake up Crawford, but downstairs, when the when, when it turns on, he bolts awake, and he says, Listen, the resonator, it's him. He's trying to start the resonator from beyond. And I love it when they put the title of the movie in the dialogue. I love that too, and 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 I yeah my my reasoning behind him not uh, being awoken earlier by uh, by McMichael is because he's not attracted to her. Mm. That's my take. Okay, okay, he's the only person on the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe he's just not into that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's possible. And he had his fucking brain like sucked, <laughs> yeah. so. He's, once you get your brain sucked, <laughs> nothing compares to that, folks. Nope, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Bubba runs up to the resonator, but bolts of electricity knock him back. He pulls his gun, but an unseen force knocks it away, too. Crawford and Catherine run upstairs, too. They go for the resonator, but are attacked by a swarm of insects. Uh, what do you th- Are those, like, 
um, flies or something? What do you think they are? I mean, I they look like flies, but I'm sure they're supposed to be like little weird uh, yeah. alternate universe mites. Yeah, yeah, so some gross. sort of swarm. It's so gross. This is the saddest scene in the movie, in my opinion. Catherine yells for Bubba to pull the cable. He tries, but the cables fuse to the resonator. Crawford yells to use the axe. Bubba grabs it and runs to the machine, but another bolt of electricity sends him flying. Bubba tries to cut the cables, but the electricity just reconnects them. Catherine is desperately trying to get the swarm off Crawford. Bubba then shines his flashlight on Catherine and Crawford, and it seems to make the swarm go away. This is, and this is, you're going to have to help me understand this. But then he throws his flashlight. I don't know why he didn't just turn it off and put it back in his pocket. And it kind of lands on the ground and spins to face him. So the flashlight got them off of, you know, if you flash the light on Catherine and Crawford, the, the bugs went away. Now the light gets flashed on on Bubba and he's like, oh no. And then all the insects then now attack Bubba. Bubba, can you explain that to me? Yeah, part of me is like, first of all, maybe it just doesn't track, and that's a continuity error, uh, story error, script error. Uh, or the alternative is it doesn't really, nah, it doesn't really make sense because you get the, because later on in the movie, when they shine light later, the, uh, towards the end, the, the with the with the with the flame or whatever I think oh yeah just yeah but the, she has a, a little matchbook to kind of get the the eels away they they go yeah. after they go after that light and they so maybe, after the light so maybe it so, makes sense that they but then what doesn't make sense is how the light pushed the bugs off of Catherine and and Crawford I think yeah I part of me feels like they just messed up and it was they were supposed to be more on them but there was less okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a gaffe. I, I don't, I think it's, yeah, I don't think there's like an in-movie like reason for it. And then as we all know, the opposite of less on is more on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say hard on. No, that's from Megaforce. Um, hard on. <laughs> like the one Bubba had earlier there. and will never have again. So <laughs> he goes down screaming covered in that swarm of creatures. No, it's the worst. I know, This is dude. the worst. This is the worst scene in the movie, and I mean this in, like, the saddest way. Yeah, because they're, like, covering his arms and his legs and everything, and he's screaming and everything. Catherine and Crawford try to disconnect the resonator, but they are also sort of, like, knocked away. The swarm of insects leave, and Catherine and Crawford rush to Bubba, but it's too late. Almost his entire body has been eaten, even, like, the tip of his nose, which I thought was a nice little touch, too, um, and he just kind of, like, gurgles and dies, but it's a it's a cool looking like body and you can tell like you know it's it's really ken Forey's head so it's like probably under the the floor panels there his body's under the floor panels essentially yeah. but the the ruined body that they use is really really well done i think yeah it is it, it's gross and sad yeah because he was my favorite he's my favorite character in the, in the movie me too once it's over and like once he's dead i'm like okay what <laughs> Is there anything else to live for, God? <laughs> well, the good news is, with an hour and 25 minutes, once he dies, we only have, like, 20 minutes left in the movie at this point. Oh, barely, yeah. Yeah. Because the, the end credits are five minutes long. Right? In the darkness, we see a grotesque, non-human shape. We see it's Edward. He barely looks human. 
Catherine rushes to the fire extinguisher on the wall and he grabs and grabs it just as Edward sort of grabs her with his tentacles. He says, Humans are such easy prey. And this is when his pineal gland is sticking out of his forehead like an antenna. I think this is mm. the first time we sort of see that. Crawford says, let her go. And Edward says, I will beyond her wildest dreams. She will go into my mind and I will go into hers. It's the greatest sensual pleasure there is. Crawford says, you never knew pleasure or gave it only pain. Crawford then grabs his head in pain and Edward says, you are evolving into a being that has never existed before. That's cool. Well, and also, let's be honest, if you are having to talk about it, it's probably not that great. Like, people who boast about their sexuality and how great they are, let's be honest, folks. Yeah. You know, you're talking yourself up because you're compensating for something else. You eunuch. (laughs) You eunuch. Crawford yells, I'm Crawford Tillinghast. Edward says, let it happen, Crawford. Let it out. Crawford screams as his pineal stalk shoots out of his forehead like an antenna. And there's like a gross crunching sound, too. Yeah. And by the way, no CGI. This effect is fantastic with his forehead thing. And yes, they clearly have to do these something to his head to make it a little bit bigger to keep all the wires in there and everything. Yep. But honestly... The deformed head, even though it's to cover the wires, I think actually works as a whole to make him look more grotesque. Yeah, agreed. Unfortunately, apparently, once he was all wired up, they couldn't unwire him. So anytime Jeffrey Combs had to go to the bathroom, the somebody like an assistant had to like take all the wires with him, and he was like, "It was, it was fun," you know, being sarcastic, <laughs> <laughs> meaning like you're sitting in a stall with like the, your assistant next to you, just kind of holding the wires, <laughs> waiting for you to crap it out, you know? Yes. <laughs> Let me know when you're done. I'll, I'll just be standing here holding your wires. <laughs> I'm almost boink, boink. <laughs> you hear Jeffrey Combs start yelling, I'm Crawford Tillinghast in the bathroom. <laughs> As he poops. I'm Crawford Tillinghast. <laughs> <laughs> Who ordered yeah, the tie? But it's really good, dude. The And I think and that's another thing that probably fucked me up as a kid is how well done the pineal effect is. That's Yeah, totally. So now that Crawford, you know, it's, his stalk is out of his head. He's now he's looking around. He's like, oh, it's beautiful. Now, I will say th- this does look dated. Like, it's very much like some kind of video toaster effect when you see through his eyes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that probably would be done a lot better now, obviously. Catherine asks what he did to Crawford. Edward says he just woke up Crawford's pineal gland. It did the rest itself. That's kind of cool, too. Yep. So he starts dragging Catherine to him, but she sprays the resonator with the extinguisher foam. Edward yells, no! The machine shorts out, and Catherine is free. She runs to Crawford, who's passed out. Just then, the machine comes back to life, and Edwards is right behind Catherine. She screams and sprays the resonator with more foam, and it shuts off. Catherine laughs, then checks to see if Crawford is still alive. That was cool, man. I always get freaked out by the fact that, like, he could be right next to you. And right when the machine comes on, he's, like, right there, you know? Yeah. It's creepy. It is. Cut to the hospital, and Crawford is on an operating table. 
Dr. Block is trying to use these clamps to Oof. kind of, yeah, I know, examine Crawford's pineal stalk. She kind of can't get it. It's like moving around even though he's asleep and she's trying to grab it. It's Ugh. really fucking gross. This might actually be my the most grossest part. It's like trying to pull a bloody splinter out of your foot. Oof. I was going to say. wiggling like, around. I was going to say like a worm or something. It's all wet or something. It's just, it's fucking gross. Oof. And it's like, you know. It's, and it's making sound you know, effects. Yeah, weird noises. It's really nasty. And then she kind of like is like a little bit like, eh, I'm about to give up. And then it just shoots out and then it, it startles her. She's like, what? And then it kind of like goop, goes back in. And then a nurse comes in and tells uh, Dr. Block that the police are there. But that, that, I just think this is a cool little that was a cool little scene. You know, yeah, it's traumatizing. In Dr. Block's office, Catherine is being questioned by the police and D.A. Fields. Uh, she's she's wearing the leather outfit under a robe. Fields says to Block, she's been telling us a pretty wild story. Catherine insists it's the truth. Field asks Block for her opinion of Catherine's mental state. Block says, I'd rather give you my opinion of her professional conduct. She looks at Catherine and says, you're contemptible. Then moves moves aside the robe to reveal the leather outfit. Also, Catherine's like her skin's eaten up from the the, the bugs. So is uh, Crawford's too. She looks at Fields and says, "I doubt she can even understand what she's done." Block looks back at Catherine and says, "You cost Crawford Tillinghast his mind, quite possibly his life." And then I love this. Catherine says, "In another man's life." I like that she she owns up to it, but also she brings it up because it's like, no, someone else died too, you know. Yep. She tells Fields, that machine has to be destroyed. Uh, um, Catherine says that. He says, I listened to you the first time, and now I've lost one of my best men. The DA is going to chew me a new asshole thanks to you. He looks at Dr. Block and says, she's in your custody now. Catherine protests, and Block says she's too agitated in this state. She'll upset the patients. Fields says, do whatever you think is best. And we see Block smile. Dr. Block kind of smiles jealousy time to wipe your mind out of my husband's mind mm-hmm. Catherine pleads with dr block to go back block says you've you've got all the answers don't you girl wonder well i have some answers of my own she tells the nurse to prep Catherine for electroshock therapy the nurse kind of protests but block puts her in her place too Catherine runs out of the office crying and screaming and down yeah. the- <laughs> And down the hall, but two orderlies catch her. Block tells them to set up, her, set her up in room five. She's going to go check on Crawford. Catherine screams, no. Block says if she resists, sedate her. No. On the examining table, Crawford wakes up. He looks around and quickly leaves his room. There's supposed to be a cop by the door. You can see his chair there. Um, but he's like sort of in the background talking to a nurse. Crawford uh, sees some leftover food and tries to eat it, but spits it out in disgust. His mind's eye leads him to the pathology room where he sees a bucket glowing pink on the ground. In the electroshock room, the nurses are preparing Catherine by strapping her down to the table. She keeps pleading with them until they put gauze in her mouth. Dr. Block walks up to Crawford's room and says hi to the cop by the door. She walks in and sees the table empty then walks out of the room and tells the officer Crawford is gone and to call security. Dr. Block walks down the hall, then sees blood spilling out from under the pathology door. She goes in the room and turns on the lights to see Crawford squatting on the ground 
and eating a brain out of the bucket. Yummy. She looks disgusted and walks over to him and says, Crawford, please don't eat those. They could make you very sick. So Jeffrey Combs tells a funny story about how, uh, you know, he was trying, he was eating this brain. It was just a rubber brain covered some, you know, goop and jelly. And he's, he's like miming eating it. And Stuart Gordon was like, what are you doing? Like, he's like, I, there's, I'm pretending I'm miming to eat it. And he's like, no, no, it's not tracking. I need you, it's, you need to eat something. Like we need to put something in that hole. So the effects guys put some fixident in there. Oh, God. Apparently, when you put Fix-It in your mouth, he's like, it takes all the moisture out of your mouth right away. So he goes to say his line. He can't say anything. He's you know. Stuart Gordon calls cut and is like, dude, what are you doing? And he gets all the shit out of his mouth. He's like, he's like, dude, I can't talk with this shit in my mouth. Stuart Gordon's like, fine, I'll, you know, I, I won't make anyone do anything I won't do myself. And, and Jeffrey Combs goes, okay, here, try it. So he bites into it or whatever, puts his mouth in, and Jeffrey Combs goes, now, what's your name? And Stuart Gordon goes, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, he couldn't say anything. And Jeffrey Cobb's like, yeah, that's right. And so then <laughs> once he cleans his mouth out, uh, apparently Stuart Gordon's like, you can go back to just miming it then. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I, mean, I, love how, good. I love how vindicated Jeffrey Combs was. <laughs> He's like, yes, I win. <laughs> so her, her saying, Crawford, please don't eat those. They can make you very sick. That kind of shakes him back to his senses, and he drops the brain in disgust. He looks at Block and asks, what is happening to me? She says, we don't know for sure, but we're going to find out. Dr. Block helps Crawford to his feet and starts walking him to the door, but his eyes start twitching, and we see from his POV that he can, like, see her brain. As Dr. Block opens the door, this is one of the most, I think, intense kills in any movie. Like, I think this is fucking intense. Yeah. As Dr. Block opens the door, he slams it shut. And then slams her against the wall. He has like his hand on her neck and the back of her head. His pineal stalk is sticking out, you know, like like straight up like an antenna now. Crawford then puts his mouth over her eye. And she's like yelling and struggling and fighting with him. So he knees her in the stomach. And then she's like, oh, and then he spits out her fucking eye. And then she like looks at the camera and there's an eye. It's like an eye socket. It's great effect. You know, great makeup effect. And then he just starts sucking out her brains through the eye socket as she moans. And the camera dollies in. And her eyeball is like rolling back. Dude. Like, this is fucking, that's one of the most intense deaths in any movie ever. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And and so to answer anyone's question, if they ever had this question, you can't give a hickey to an eye because you would suck the eyeball out. <laughs> but you can suck out the brains from behind the eye. Yes, you can. The, if the, you want to do that, that would just, so give them, I was giving her a hickey on her eye. I didn't mean to suck her brains out. My bad. Dude, the knee to the gut is what I think is, like, the most brutal part of it. Dude, you're, like, like, all of it. <laughs> look, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, like, really, just give her, just, it's my wife, so I don't care. Just, just give her, give her, give her a nice little hit in the stomach. Give her the business. <laughs> give her the business. <laughs> God. 
That's so funny that you say that because my buddy Bert, who listens to the show, um, I got that phrase from him. I mean, I've known it before, but he always says giving people the business and I love it. But I also remarked to him that uh, young Jeffrey Combs looks like young Bert as well. I, I get vibes of, of that as well. So it's just funny that you mentioned the business part. So Bert, this one's for you, buddy. Yeah, whoop, whoop, Bert, Bert. He's also a Patreon member. So thank you for that as well, my friend. Oh, thanks, Bert. And for all of you Patreon members, thank you. Yes, if you uh, want to yeah. be a Patreon member, go to patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. In the electroshock room, the doctors are about to shock Catherine when a nurse comes in and says that something has happened and they need help. The guy who has the switch, and he's like, he's like about to shock her, and he's like, what about her? Like, he's so excited to, like, shock her. The nurse says to lock her up in her room. The doctor slash orderly, I don't know what he is. He kind of undoes Catherine's straps or, or arm straps first. And as he's working on the legs, she takes that giant, you know, examination light and just hits him in the head with it. And I was like, yeah, that's quick thinking right there. I wouldn't even have thought to do that. Right. Quick goat thinking. <laughs> Outside, Crawford is in the ambulance uh, unloading area, I guess. Like that. You know, right by the sliding doors where it's kind of like in that parking lot area, but only ambulances can go there. So that's where he's at. He kind of like, as he's out there, he looks and he sees Catherine drive off in in Bubba's van. He yells for her, Catherine! Just then, an ambulance backs into the lot and two paramedics pull a drunk guy strapped to a gurney out of the back. One of the paramedics wheels the guy around the ambulance while the other one cleans up puke off the floor of the vehicle. Uh, interestingly enough, the lady paramedic who's cleaning off, up the puke, um, her job, if you look her up on IMDb, she's a linguistics coach and she's done like stuff like, like Hellboy and stuff like that. So she's, she works for basically, you know, you have an American actor or something, um, and they need to have like a Russian accent or something like that. A linguistics coach helps the actor achieve that accent. Correct. And prior to linguistics coach, she was a liquid remover coach. With the picking up the vomit. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. And I do like how she like yells for her, her partner to get her a candy bar because she's hungry. Then she hears like a, you know, a thud and a, and a wonk or something, like a strange noise. But I had the subtitles on and it said thud. So I was like, oh, she hears a thud. <laughs> I love it when the subtitles actually tell you what the sound is. Yeah, when uh, when Ken, uh, when Bubba's watching the, the torture porn at, uh, in Clitoris's room, it, the subtitles the subtitles are of Bubba going, oh, oh, wow, oh, wow. You're right. It is like, it's like, oh, it goes like, oh, and then why I, then oh, again, then why. It's yeah. weird. I guess he's doing Morris Day in the time. Oh, oh, <laughs> I love it. Jungle love. <laughs> you gots to shave when you wear a dress like that, and I don't mean your legs. <laughs> Go check out our Adventures of Ford Fairlane review. That might be one of my all-time favorite reviews we've ever done. And by the way, guys and gals, if you want to know what our Fletch one will sound like, listen to that because all (laughs) Zach and I do is fucking quote that movie and then laugh at each other the entire time. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So she goes and checks, uh, goes, you know, goes around. the, The paramedic goes to check on her partner. She finds the drunk man still strapped down, yelling that he saw a snake come out of a man's head. It ate him. She thinks he's going into DTs. I don't know what that means. Do you? Uh, I actually wrote that down in my notes. I'm looking at it right now. It says, 
What the fuck are DTs? <laughs> there you go. I, I don't know. I really don't. D- detoxes? No. I, I don't know what it is. Someone can fill us in what DTs are. I'm sure I'm we sure have first you, responders out there listening that, that, w- that will know. Or someone who's gone into that personally. <laughs> yeah, who's experienced the DTs. Um, but she I looks, guess, yeah. but she looks over to see her partner dead on the ground with his eyeball ripped out. Crawford then comes up behind her and grabs her and starts sucking on her eye, uh, while the junk guy, drunk guy screams, that's the snake man. She kind of pulls snake out, man. A, that's snake man. <laughs> she kind of like pulls out a pocket knife, doesn't really do much with it. She tries to run away, but Crawford tackles her and smashes her head against the concrete. That's fucking brutal too, dude. Yeah, that's straight up American History X head slamming going on there. Yeah, fucking some curb stomping shit right there. Yep. But I love that he left the homeless guy because the guy didn't have a brain probably, or, you know, didn't have a brain worth sucking. Yeah. And he had vomit all over himself too. Just then, Crawford's pineal stalk kind of shoots back in. And he comes to his senses. He looks horrified at what he's done. Crawford gets into the ambulance and drives off, leaving the guy on the gurney screaming for help. Help! <laughs> the snake man! Snake, snake man! man. Get him. Snake man! Really, where's snake man? Oh, <laughs> uh, we see Catherine pulls up to the Pretorius house and Bub and Bubba's van. She unlocks the front gate and goes in. In the attic, we see the resonator covered in foam and the outline of Bubba's body on the ground. Oh, with his oh. little skinny legs, you know. I guess it wasn't leg day after all. <laughs> uh. Good one, good one. Okay, Zach, explain this one to me. Catherine then takes out a time bomb out of her bag. She has like four sticks of dynamite <laughs> stuck to like a, a counter, a time counter. And as a, you know, it's funny, as a kid, I had no problem believing this part of the movie. As an adult, I'm like, where did you get that? Because did, were you able to ever buy sticks of dynamite at an Army-Navy surplus? Maybe she went to an Army-Navy surplus. I don't think so because I think I think dynamite sticks are very unstable, especially if they get wet or something. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. She's she's crazy. She's a crazy. She's a crazy chick. Huh? Oh. oh, oh, crazy chicks got all sorts of weird things in their house, like dynamite sticks, two by fours. What? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> like the it's, power drill. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know, man. Like it doesn't track at all. It doesn't make any sense. But it, it is such a like a cartoon moment. It is. It is. And this but... is interesting because it's such a like this movie does have a dark sense of humor. So maybe that's a, supposed to be somewhat comedic. I don't know. And I, I think, you know, we said at the beginning with 666 Benevolent Street, you're supposed to not take this movie completely seriously. And it does the job that it's supposed to do, which she sets it for five minutes and it actually, you know, it, it starts a, a nice little, you know, f- climax countdown type of thing. Yeah, countdown to climax. <laughs> countdown to clitorist. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the basement, we see Spark shooting out of the breaker. Catherine walks out of the attic and down the stairs when Crawford lunges out and grabs her. He drags her into Edward's room and ties her up. She screams, why are you doing this? He says, because I love you, Catherine. She says they have to get out. The resonator is going to blow up. He says he wants them to be together. She says if Pretorius can turn that machine on, he always has a way back. Crawford says he's always here. Then Crawford's pineal stalk comes out and looks around 
She says he'll devour them and the whole human race if he can. Crawford says it won't hurt and goes for her eye, you know, to kind of suck it out. But he kind of can't eat it, and she bites off his pineal stalk, and Crawford screams. Now, that's this is the, well, the grossest part, because she just, Barbara Crampton just chomps into that thing. Yeah, she chomped on the red vine, and then I wrote down, do you really need your pineal gland? Yeah, I know. Like, like if it gets ripped out of his head, does he need it still, like, as a human yeah. being? Yeah. Just then, the resonator comes to life. Back in Edward's room, Catherine yells for Crawford to help her. He looks over, now back to his senses, and he sees Edward, the Edward monster, grabbing at Catherine. Edward says, I've been waiting for you. The greatest sensual pleasure there is is to know the desire of another mind. I know your desires, you impotent pig. Edward says, We are the most powerful being in the universe. Crawford says, She'll know, Edward, how pathetic you are, how you can't make love. And this was Myra's favorite part because she loved how Pretorius like shoots his head around and he goes, maybe you could teach me with like his eyes all. And yeah. she, she, when I was breaking the movie down and I was near the scene, she was like, oh, I got to see the shot again. And then she fucking just like laughed and walked away. It's but so she, funny. It, it is really funny. It is. Cause he's got like this long neck and everything. But he's like, yeah. maybe you can teach me. <laughs> uh, Edward leaves Catherine and chases Crawford through the house. Yeah. He goes, all right. Come and get me, eunuch. I love that line. I do, too. Just then, so uh, so Crawford's kind of trying to go down the stairs, you know, towards the front door. Edward's Edward grows wings, and he kind of kind of smacks Crawford in the face with his wing. And it's, it's such a bitch slap, too, you know? Yeah. Um, but then he, he, he then, like, so he knocks him to the ground, and then he goes down over top of him with his same big, weird pincher head, whatever you called it earlier. Um, and then this is when you actually king see worm. it. Yeah, what, what is it, king worm? Yep. He actually he bites down on Crawford's head, and then you see him actually twist it off. And, that, and that's... How you know, like, why it's not like bitten off, like Clitorius is, you know, dead body. It's like was twisted off. And that's cool, too. I I like that. Like, it could have just just bitten it off. It could have just bitten his head off. But I like the added layer to it that it twists it off. I agree. Upstairs, Catherine is still tied up. There's uh, two and a half minutes on the bomb. There's more than two and a half minutes left in the movie, but not by much. It's actually pretty, pretty tight. Uh, she struggles with the leather straps, but then sees the eels swim in. She kind of shakes her wrists to get the eels' attention, and they bite through the leather, releasing her. And this is what you mentioned earlier, because she, she's still kind of stuck there. So she takes a, a book of matches out of her pocket, lights it, and throws it to the ground, distracting the eels so she can run by. Catherine runs down the stairs and trips over Crawford's headless body. Edward's Edward monster appears before her and then she runs back upstairs into the attic, but it's kind of cool because water is coming down the stairs from the attic. And that kind of like, for me, that's kind of like got vibes of the mist where like, I also like the fact that like, you know, mist or water or something else is coming through, not just like creatures. Gelatinous water. Yeah. It's almost like terraforming the house. Yeah. Covering it in clitoris breaking water (laughs) in the attic okay here we go in the attic there's 30 seconds left in the bomb edward grabs her by the ankles pulling her to the ground he laughs maniacally but then kind of stops and looks surprised 
as a hand comes out of his mouth. Fingers. Fingers. And just like Ace Ventura coming out of the rhinoceros's ass, Crawford comes out of Pretorius screaming like he's giving birth. Are you saying that Ace Ventura ripped off from beyond? Yes, dude. I think a lot of fucking movies, if not ripped it off, they were like, you know, it was probably in the back of the the filmmakers heads, you know, like they just remembered this shit. Why not? But I think Ace Ventura might have ripped this off. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh, it's, it's hard to sort of like sort of track it. But basically um, what happens is, is that like Pretorius and uh, Crawford start fighting for control of Pretorius's body and they're fighting each other, biting each other, ripping each other to pieces, morphing, unmorphing, you know, turning into skull snake heads and all this kind of stuff. It's really fucking cool. And I know that they like ran out of budget and said they didn't really do the ending the way they wanted to. I think it's fucking effective as hell. I think it's cool. I think uh, as the way I interpreted it, was that they the more they fought the more they kind of devolved yeah because they're supposed to be about pleasure and and this was like pure anger and they were slowly devolving equally um that's my take i am a hundred percent with you right there and maybe they're using up like the material too because they're like they're building breaking down building breaking down and yeah. it's but it's cool um, it works to me I, it, I doesn't ever strike me as like oh they they just had to rush this it doesn't feel that way i think it's fantastic uh, but Catherine's leg is still like being held onto by Pretorius. So eventually, uh, uh, Crawford's skull face bites the hand so she so it can let go. She goes running for the window as the the whole place explodes. You know, the attic blows up and everything, and it's actually a pretty impressive explosion. Um, and she lands, and her fucking kneecaps explode just like the fucking attic. And it's. Dude, that kneecap is disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, if you've ever wondered what um, cauliflower looks like with hot sauce all over it, yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, and then she looks down at it, and I get shades of Ace Ventura 2 again when he gets shot with the, the spears in his legs. And he's like, ah. Yeah. I feel like she looks down and she <laughs> screams. I'm like, yeah. And then, like, so the neighbors are all there. Uh, Bunny comes over to her, holding her dog. She sees her knees, and she's like, oh, my God. My thought was, don't let that dog go because it's going to start fucking eating her fucking kneecaps, you know? Yeah, that dog has a penchant for blood. From from Clitorius. So they, the lady says, you know, they called an ambulance. They'll be there soon. Catherine is just fucked up. And she's like, it ate him. And then she just starts laugh, screaming, screaming, laughing. And it just fades to credits with her completely losing her fucking mind. And that's from beyond. And from beyond her mind will forever be. She's fucked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, fucked. you don't go back from any from something like that. It's a perfect way to end the movie. It's a perfect way to end. It ends in such a downbeat. It's so creepy um, and bizarre. And for me, still holds up in 2022 as much as it did in my uh, scarred mind of 1980. What was it? 87 or 88 when I first saw this movie. Oh, wow. Was it already... Wow, it was already on uh, HBO or whatever in 88, huh? 
Yeah, I think yes, because uh, it came out in 86. I want to say 87. It was probably already on. Yeah. Uh, Every morning. So I would wake up and watch that final scene. (laughs) Yeah, because you would be waking up so early uh, for school and everything that it would still be like. So basically that would be like the 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 3.30 a.m. movie. So when you get up at like 5 a.m. or something, it's it's like it's finishing up essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Before you, you know, you hit the 6 a.m. Fairly family friendly movie. (laughs) Before you got to that part. Uh, I saw the last 30 minutes of From Beyond almost every, uh, so often, so often. Because HBO and Cinemax and Showtime or whatever, you know, they only had a certain amount of films that they showed. And yeah. they showed them over and over and over again. This was one of them. And uh, yeah, it was for, for better or worse. In this case, for better, because here we are talking about it and entertaining all of you awesome listeners. Yes. And I'm with you, buddy. I think this movie holds up very well, even with its silly gaffes, you know, and even with its like logic breaks and stuff. It's fine. It's it's a fun ride from beginning to end. Obviously, if you if you think gross deaths and kills are fun, and I think a lot of our listeners probably do think that kind of stuff is fun. But this is a fun ride from beginning to end. And at a cool 86 minutes, it is digestible and easy, just like Crawford's head. Oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I, I love it, man. I always have fun with this movie. Um, it will always now be in my rotation, and I can't wait to do Reanimator. Uh, I don't know when we'll do it. I may still put that one on the back burner just as, a, again, another emergency type of scenario. Um, or maybe Zach will bring Reanimator to the to the whatever if he wants to. Um, but we will absolutely get to Reanimator. I can't promise we'll do it in season three. But I am excited that we finally have a proper Stuart Gordon, Barbara Crampton, Jeffrey Combs uh, jam under our belt now. Agreed. Agreed. And like, yeah, I don't know if we'll get to it in season three. I can guarantee you, listeners, this is a little bit of a spoil, I suppose. Uh, On my end, there's a lot more exploitation films coming. There's some more Wingshauser movies coming. Yeah. There's some slasher movies coming. And quite possibly a genre we've never touched, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try. I'm gonna give it a stab. I'm gonna give it a go. We'll we'll see how we still we'll see how we do. Yeah, because in in you know originally we sort of talked about Wingshauser being like a, a a mini marathon. It's turned into we're just gonna support Wingshauser for the entirety of podcasting after dark because we love the man and we love his movies. And I know for a fact I have a few here still ready to go. So yeah, it, our our love affair with Wingshauser is now becoming more of an ongoing thing. Yeah, and one of the reasons why I actually uh, wanted Corey to hold back a little bit is because um, there's a Wingshauser documentary being made right now. Oh, okay. So uh, I don't know when it's going to be released. Hopefully it'll be released this year. But, you know, kind of coincide with that. And, like, these shows are evergreen. You all know that. So, uh, you know, you could listen to Terror Vision right now if you want to, right after this one. Or you could go listen to Screamers right now if you wanted to after this one. So it doesn't really matter where in the timeline, but know that Wings Wings is coming back. (laughs) Unlike Crawford's head, because his head is gone. (laughs) His head is gone. And uh, yeah, I got some good ones here for you, buddy, too. I got another stack I'm about to to mail out. I've got some, I'm I'm building up another stack for you. Oh, stacking it up. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) But you know, 
You know what always stacks it up? $2 late fee. And I know you got the Barry Bostwick uh, interview dropping. That's going to be coming soon. Anything you can uh, tease maybe after that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, And I think listeners of this show will really appreciate who we have in February coming up. Um, This guy named Luca Bercovici. He's a great character actor, but he's also a director and writer. He wrote and directed Ghoulies and Rockula. And uh, he talks a little bit about that aspect of his career. But we talk about a lot about a movie he did in the 80s called American Flyers with mm. Kevin Costner. Uh, great bike racing movie. And then we just interviewed Nestor Serrano. If you don't know who he is, go check out a movie from the 90s called Hanging with the Homeboys, which is a great uh, I don't think Swingers would have gotten made if it wasn't for Hanging with the Homeboys. And it's kind of like an urban version of Diner, yeah. um, a hip-hop version of Diner. And he was also, believe it or not, uh, fun fact, he was in The Hat Squad, <laughs> one of the shows that Corey and I, before Diallo joined us on TV Obscura, the first show I brought to TV Obscura. Yeah. So he actually brings up uh, The Hat Squad and tells a very funny story about that show. But <laughs> Nestor Serrano has been in everything from Bad Boys to Lethal Weapon 2 to The Day After Tomorrow to 24. The guy's done it all. So yeah. those are lined up uh, down the pipe. And then we've, of course, got Martial Arts Madness coming in in March. We've got some fun surprises planned for that. I can't divulge that just yet. Uh, but yeah, lots of fun stuff on $2 Late Fee. And you know Podcasting After Dark is going to be linked up with $2 Late Fee in some way, shape, or form very soon. Um, <laughs> of course. But yeah, uh, Barry Bostwick's interview will drop probably soon after. We know our episodes drop every every two weeks on a Sunday. So, uh, you know, you'll probably hear this. You'll probably hear it around the same time or soon after. Okay. Barry Bostwick is a fun interview. The guy is, is, a, is a, he's a gem. He's a gem. I'm excited to listen to that one. I'm excited to uh, dig deeper into Cot, right? <laughs> can't, can't get much deeper than uh, we're balls deep into season eight right now. Balls yeah. deep. Balls How deep, many seasons baby. did uh, Seinfeld have? Nine. So we are wow. on the penultimate season. So it's uh, we're, we're also going to be trying to figure out what show we're going to do next uh, after Seinfeld and maybe try to keep it Seinfeld-centric. But we still have a good probably six months or so to, to get through it. Um, but we're rocking and rolling over there at Cartwright. I, I love talking Seinfeld all the time. I know Zach loves Seinfeld as well. And, uh, you know, we always have – Adam and I always have a good time over there. And, uh, and I think – Corey Corey, by the time you listen to this, Corey Corey's going to be on uh, talking back, talking about Attack of the Clones, because the, our, our boys Tim and Dean are going to be uh, going through all the Star Wars movies this year, one wow. a month, and uh, I'm going to be defending uh, Attack of the Clones. I'm going on there as as its advocate, and uh, because I love that movie. I think that movie is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Sex, Padme, drugs, death sticks, rock and roll, Django Fett's head. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, check out everything we're doing over here at the uh, Podcast After Dark Patreon. Zach's plugged it a million fucking times, but I'll plug it again. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Podcast After Dark. Our auteur de force uh, tier. So basically, 
Zach and I haven't, we were talking about uh, names and everything for that tier. Didn't quite know what it was going to be. Zach nailed it. It is going to be called the Autour de Force. And it's going to basically replace the interviews after Dark tier. And like Zach said, we're going to be moving the interviews to the free feeds. Uh, whenever we will be doing new interviews, but we do have about two years worth of them now to kind of release on the free feeds. But whenever we do do new ones, and we are, we are actively pursuing... Uh, uh, they'll go on Patreon first, so Patreon members will always get that first. But I really think you guys and gals are going to like what we're doing with this John Carpenter uh, filmography retrospective. And just to let you know, we're going to go, like Zach said, we're going to go through every movie. We are not going to be breaking them down per episode. We are just going to be freeform discussing them. But that does mean we are going to revisit the thing. We are also going to revisit uh, Prince of Darkness because we are going to watch each of them every month and in order. And we're starting with Dark Star this month. So that episode will drop before the end of this month. Go check it out. Go check it out. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Hello! La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.